This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hi lads, we're back after our last week. It was actually our most downloaded episode ever. I don't know, Joe, mm. do you think it was the it was the progress hate? Do you think it was your stripper story? I reckon it's your stripper story. I think that's what kind of got the numbers in. So hopefully hopefully JP can uh, satisfy the listeners who were left hanging I- at the end of last episode wanting, wanting more of the same. No. That's, that's, Come on, JP. Right, when we get to Patreon-type stuff, then then I'm willing to lay bare. No oh. one's going to pay to listen to us, mate. No. Come on. I know. Come on. Maybe WWE. Yeah, I'd say just save oh, your money. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, if they're listening. Better with your new friend who works at WWE, you know, could put a good word in the... Uh, in the podcast department when well, it launches there, possibly. That was a surprising outcome, yeah, from the last podcast. Got a tweet from Glenn Joseph just saying, pint, question mark. We always knew he was a listener, didn't we, Joe? Uh, he wants to... Uh, I think, I think, I, I, they're either trying to sign me for the for the WWE Podcast Network, or, I don't know, maybe they're trying to co-opt us. Maybe he's just a glutton for punishment. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I'm up for it. If someone wants to buy me point, uh, pints with their uh, Saudi blood money, and you know, we can go to like a nice, <laughs> nice go to a nice punk rock bar, like like Brewdog, you know, in the uh, traditional progress spirit. I'm well up for it. I reckon he's a top bloke. I reckon he'll get the beers in with his WWE money, and I don't think he'll skimp on what pints you get either. <laughs> and if you ask, if you ask for a pack of nuts or a bag of crisps with your pint. He's not going to complain. He'll just say, yep, I'll get that. I'll just add it to the round. He, he won't be a cheap bastard, Glenn. You see, to be fair, his reaction to the, to the whole thing was a lot better than uh, than Briley's reaction, apparently, uh, where yeah. uh, he doesn't like what was it, being judged for trying to put food on his table. What is it with these WWE oh, contracted I people? I wonder if the... he was being ironic when he said, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he was. Does he think Dean Ambrose is, is just going to come and swipe her off his table? Or is that what, are we, are we the John Moxley in this situation? Uh, oh, mate, these said. WWE rehearsed lines that <laughs> just get whipped out. I wonder if they get like these training sessions where Stephanie McMahon sits there as some sort of like PR person to the talent, along with that. What's that guy Rob Van Dam sent that text to? Canyon Seaman or Mark Carano? <laughs> Mark Carano. Yeah, that guy. And they're just like, so if you're in the media and we need to talk about how we're the underdog and we got to establish that, talk about dinner and tables. Like, it just seems like this common rage. If someone's, betray- if someone's betrayed the company, they took their ball and they went home. Mm. Like, it just is the most transparent, obvious approach over and over. I didn't expect Briley to stoop to that. Uh, Bloody hell. I like, think he was taking... I honestly think he was taking the I, I don't. So. I don't. He's got me blocked. He was already gotten to. I, uh, yeah, I don't think he was a fan of the podcast last week, unfortunately. But again, Glenn had a good sense of humour about it. You know, we'll, we'll be doing some chat and we'll arrange something. You know, we could... Uh, yeah. If you start hearing me being really positive about NXT UK and progress, you know that I've been bought out. So everyone's oh, yeah. listening out for that, I reckon. <laughs> Look, I I'm just lo- thinking of Partridge sat at the table with Tony Hare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put cheese in Glenn's face, that's for sure. <laughs> I hope you don't, Benno. But at the same time, uh, don't if, do he wants to buy me a, if he wants to buy me a New England IPA, which is probably the most expensive beer in Brewdogs, brewed by Brewdog, I'll take him up on the offer. Is, is that one of the beers where it's like, for a third, it's about a tenner? Brewdog like to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's a 7.2% beer, that. It's mm. bloody good, though. Bloody good. Brewdog was the first place I ever had a Rowdy Roddy Porter, one of the greatest names for a drink of all time. <laughs> from, uh, is it Top Rope Brewery do that? 
You've got the uh, they've got, they've got a few few wrestling themed beers. We talked about them on the show before. I do, you know, you know we we have a go at the you know the, the punk rock sellouts, but as far as punk rock sellouts go, I'm I'm a big Brewdog fan. I'm I'm willing to sell out in general. I'm just going to lay my cards on the table <laughs> like that. I'm, I'll go along with that. I've got a mortgage to pay. Fair enough. We well, I have as yes. well, mate. Yeah, and in Oxford, it's not cheap round here. Yeah, that's a it's a different world than up here. Up north, we don't know we're born. <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it's tough for that as well and we're we're waiting to see whether or not this country is going to become a complete and utter shit show or will we be oh, saved by the day live updates because basically like if it gets any worse today progress are just gonna have to shut down i mean they're not gonna be able to extend it uh like you know did you know by the way yeah uh, last week that you know what we talked about with the uh with the empty seats of the progress show it was purely mm. just that there were uh, it was just just there was a brawl in the crowd and uh and that's all it was that that apparently yeah that they just created the empty seats not that on the vod that came out today you can see the empty seats you can see a big oh. empty space where we used to stand in the corner which used to be rammed yeah. and horrible to try and get a spot uh no it was just everyone just dispersed for a brawl uh plus something about brexit <laughs> that's it um and that's that may be coming true tonight. Exactly, there may be this may be the end of them after after October thirty first. I haven't seen. I, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to get around to watching that VOD. Why would you? You don't have to be honest. You're not going to. What's the point no. of watching it? Come it's on. JP though. We might on on the bike riding around Oxford. I could see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got his bike stolen, didn't you? Uh, no, my son did. So I had to give him my bike. And I have to get one for myself, which seems to be a permanent state that I need to buy a bike because something's been nicked. Will Coolin, when I was chatting to him over the weekend, tried telling me, he was trying saying like, oh, you both live in Oxford, that's posh. He was like, you haven't seen where we live. It's not bloody posh. Mm. And the, the amount of bike theft, yeah, it's petty, but bloody hell, they're out in full force. How many bikes have you had stolen before? About four. I've had four as well. Two on the same bloody road. Yeah, did, did bike I, theft is real in Oxford. Did I mention on the podcast that like, I, I probably told you off air that my bin lid got stolen? Like that's the level where I live. Cool. Like I, you know, we got, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Mentioned it on BWE this week. It's a very proud thing when you get to be a scouser within a with an L postcode and you have a purple bin. If you live in Liverpool City Council, I put my purple bin out on a Thursday a couple of weeks ago. Went back the next morning to get it, and somebody had stolen the lid. <laughs> right, I get the that level where if I, it was like. Old school metal bins, and someone wanted to like clang them together or something, and <laughs> or like stomp. Well, yeah, like, make some bins. sounds at the street, cause a bit of disruption. But I don't get it with modern bins. Modern oh. bins are boring. Uh, Thirty, forty yeah, quid from the council if you want a new one. You know, it's like uh, it's daylight robbery. You're gonna get one. You're gonna nick it off someone else. Oh, I'm gonna have to go down it forward in that regard. I have to go down at some point because I live in the catchment right, right near Goodison, as you both know. I need to get a pa- parking yeah. pass as well. I'm sick of moving my car every time Everton have got a home game. So maybe I'll go down. I'll, I'll get myself a parking pass and. I'll complain about me missing bin lid. Um, but no, I've had, I haven't had any bikes stolen, but yeah, bins are apparently big currency where I live. Yeah, you've got to be, I hate to say it, but you've got to be on it in your neighbourhood, haven't you? <laughs> you? You really do. You can't be slacking walking yeah. around there. And that's not even an anti-Liverpool thing. It's just the very specific it's, area it's, where I live. Um, it really isn't. I love <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, great times there. But yeah, even I found that as you know, growing up in Tottenham, just thinking, Jesus, this yeah. is a bit much. One of the things I was going to mention as well, I, I previewed the uh, the podcast on Twitter today. Don't mm. know if you want to, want to mention it now, Joe. Do you meet any any big? Yeah, the, you guys had a really big weekend. Meet anyone interesting? Do anything? Have a good time. Ah, 
<laughs> ah, the highlight of the Sunday, which was a day too far. The absolute highlight was walking around Marlborough, bump into Jay from EastEnders. I was buzzing off that. What a top <laughs> bloke as well. Got a little picture with him, had a little chat, told him that uh, like back in the day when I lived in a shared house, I used to get, uh, when Facebook raping was a thing, bit of a problematic term as it well. Is it is, yeah, arguably. Yeah, yeah. Um, my housemates would do all sorts to me. JP used to see it. Yeah. Um, and I remember they used to sometimes put J- a picture of Jay from EastEnders as a, my profile picture. Apparently, I looked like him. I don't think I do. <laughs> Said it to him, and he was like, "No, nah, I can't see it myself." I was like, "I understand why you would want to be compared to me, mate. Look at me, and look at you. You're a good-looking bloke." And he stood next to me, and I got a proper gut in that picture as well. Like, <laughs> I think it's the wrong angle. I think it's been a weekend of excess as well. Probably that pizza and Bombay mix I'd eaten the day before, <laughs> nestling in the belly there, and I just had a burrito as well from Chipotle, I think. So, but but at the same time. Got to meet a bona fide superstar. I got far more out of meeting Jay from EastEnders than I ever would any wrestler when I walk in the cockpit, that's for sure. Was he on his way to the cockpit? Like, what was he up to? Was he chatty? Coincidentally, uh, I know Andy Quilden once promoted a show at Jay from EastEnders' mum's holiday camp somewhere in Essex, or Kent, one of the two. But uh, he was not on his way to the show. He was checking out house prices in a Marlebone-based estate agent, by the look of things. That's seriously, but he's on good coin. I, I, I don't know, because he's, he's prominent. He's been in it for years, but he's yeah. not, he's not going to be on Phil or Dyer money, is he? Or Bill money, let's be honest. They're on, they're on NWO money, that's for sure. <laughs> Phil is the Hogan of the, of the three of them, but uh, maybe he's just on just below that. I think he's in like more of a cruiserweight. No, would, would you want to say cruiserweight? He's, maybe he's maybe he got a Stevie Ray he's type one of those, deal. He's one of those Miz type guys who's just been around forever. Like, but you don't really get that in WCW because the normal was kind of like, it was. You know, yeah, what it, that uh, is true. Like one of those Stevie guys Ray type money, just mm. an excessive amount that kind of doesn't really make any sense. If yeah. you ask me, he should be bossing that bloody square at this point in time. I thought he was going to take over the reins from Phil in the like Mitchell Empire or whatever, but. <laughs> Hasn't happened, unfortunately. He's running a bloody funeral by Undertakers, isn't he, at the moment? Oh, he's well being holed down by the Mitchells. I know I'd rather meet and hang out with Jay from EastEnders than with the bloody Undertaker and his, you know, miserable (laughs) approach to that wrestling con in Liverpool last year, that's for sure. And his his politics (laughs) as well, like, speaking of Brexit, like, there's no more Brexit than The Undertaker. Like, you you can see him walking around in All Lives Matters t-shirts and things like that. I'm sure he's actually worn a t-shirt like that before. He's, uh, yeah, he's a... He's very much uh, of that type. Uh, poor old Load guy. of them are, aren't they? He looks like he'd be in the biker gang in Oz to me. He'd fit. He'd fit. In Brian Lee, Chains. Oh, yeah. Skull, DOA. Crush. Actually, I think me and my brother have compared the biker gang in Oz to DOA before. Where- <laughs> 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 right, I remember, I remember when, like, when they started all that gang rule stuff, being so excited. Like, oh, yeah, the Crush is, gonna go, Crush is going to have his own faction and Savio Vegas going to have his own faction. And then Savio Vegas was like three hairy Puerto Rican dudes as a kid. I had no idea who they were, so I had no no kind of uh, acknowledgement of the fact that these guys could be stars. And yeah, basically Bra- Brian Adams turned up with the chains, the fake Undertaker, eight ball and skull who'd already been jobbed out on TV. Yeah, that was... Uh, I was really excited for that period and when the Nation of Domination is the coolest faction in a faction warfare, you know, it's going wrong. Well, I think of their cool entrance with Jamie Dundee and mm, Wolfie cool. D doing the rap. That was awesome. <laughs> God. Uh, I used to know yeah, that was, which, 
isn't is which one is is it um Oh, which one of them is like he says some really he's like Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Dundee Jamie Dundee is he yeah. like a neo-Nazi or something along those lines I don't know about that is he? I don't but, think so I think he's just I think he's just being that's racist incredible piece Nick's of Nick's slander in that case <laughs> on my part Bill Dundee's son yeah he's a Scotsman isn't he they always said that but I always assumed it's Memphis so it's probably bullshit no he's got like a weird accent he's got like a weird Scottish Memphis hybrid accent never Does heard he? him speak well, no, I can't remember it. I yeah. will have heard him speak. Mate, you've before. not been on your Bill Dundee shoot interviews. I haven't. I've been watching a Tracy Smothers one recently. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with it's him. It's the best friend. So it's uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent Barrera and Eddie Kingston sat there with uh, with Tracy Smothers. Only about ten minutes in. My eldest wasn't curious about it at all. I'd like to see Tracy Smothers get an AEW deal. I think I think he came over and did that. I remember like around the time I was starting up with GPW, came over and did the GPW show, and he like set up his own merch stand, was selling John Cena DVDs. He's a hell of a worker, <laughs> that uh, that Tracy Smothers. I think I'm surprised he hasn't uh, carnied his way into a, a big. I could see him like like in Cody's corner yeah. or something. You you could do something like that. Mike, you you could not let him near a live mic. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing you certainly couldn't do. He, he's not made for 2019. That bloke. That's the politest way of saying it. He really isn't made made for this world. It's, it's strong. It's a bit like new, putting New Jack on live TV now. I'd love to see that, but it's going to go wrong and dramatically. But fuck it, why not? If they get desperate for ratings, I'd see a bit of that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, Joe. By the way, as well, you said about getting fraped. I mean, if somebody takes your profile picture to Jay from EastEnders, I'd just be like, yeah, everything's fine. Joe's all right. This is normal. <laughs> like people clearly yeah, didn't I think know you people very well. probably were to be honest those <laughs> uh, that knew me well uh, I got, that happened to me on MySpace I gave my mate Tom my uh, login detail because for some reason I was on a night out and this is back in the day before you have like in, I had internet access on my phone and I asked him at home to check check my messages for him and mistakenly gave me, pass, me password and he basically wrote a whole MySpace status about how I was coming out and I wanted to let everybody know that I, that was in fact gay, and I was really sorry. And I got I, I got home to a flood of like thirty different messages. One from Evolve slash Dragon Gate USA star Larry Dallas uh, saying, "Oh, great! It's so it's so great to see Benno that you can finally be yourself and you can come out." There's still people from those days who don't speak to me now, and you know what? I'm glad I lost them. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a good effort, that, but it's it's amazing because it? you would never get away with doing that now. Like no, no one would ever make that sort of status yeah, now sort of like shows so you no. where we are ah, yes yes get Sorry, in breaking news um yeah boris johnson has lost in oh. his vote all right so uh they're gonna they're gonna be able to have a vote on a uh stopping a no deal tomorrow get in brilliant there you go you're the, you're the will cooling of uh of a uh, grapple spotlight now jp i don't know which which prediction for tomorrow um uh, you see, ultimately, you know, relying on Tories, really, to do the, do the right <laughs> you thing. You don't want to be in that and situation. That's, that's difficult with the best of times. A few of the bastards have done the right thing tonight. That's all I'll yeah. say for them. So mm. I'm hopeful that they might do it tomorrow, but I'm, I'm not going to even even think how... Uh, I don't want to think positively of it, because no doubt I'll end up having my dreams crushed by tomorrow and I'm going to protest every other bloody weekend. But there you go. So yeah, a little bit of breaking news then. Is this because you live in a city full of Tories? Is that what it is? Is that what colours your perception? It's not at all. Well, where I live is the only Labour part of, uh, of Oxfordshire. And 
for Joe, he lives in like the only, well, one of the few Lib Dem parts, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. much here. It's, otherwise, it's all blue everywhere else. I walk around with a scowl on my face on the way to work. Not happy about it. I can't ever see any ch- any chance of a, a Tory MP being in uh, where you are, Benno. No. Uh, Brexit, the, bre- <laughs> the Brexit vote was closer than I would like to admit. Like it was like fifty-one yeah. forty-nine, which is fucking disgraceful considering like the amount of European money that went into Liverpool, that like capital culture stuff, all gets forgotten very quickly. But yeah, after after the eighties, there's a there's no chance of a of a Tory in Liverpool. Yeah, exactly, and, and long may that continue. There's that Esther McVeigh, right? Twat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it Esther McVeigh? It is yeah, Esther McVeigh. Yeah. Is that like the Wirral or something? Nadine yeah. Dorries? There are little areas, little pockets, like where I used to live, Crosby, like just outside of there, Blundell Sands, those types of areas where they'll do a little bit better. But no, proper purple bin lid Liverpool. Uh, that's not happening. You're all right. Uh, but yeah, some good news yeah, exactly. there. Again, if Brexit doesn't, if we, if we can delay Brexit, then we can delay the end of progress. And isn't that good news for everybody? Uh, let's all just be happy. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, you know, and then that way that there'll be plenty of food left on the table, hopefully, <laughs> if the, the vote goes well tomorrow. That's and there'll it. be no reason for us to try and steal it. Just no European food. <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Should we talk some wrestling? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're gonna... eventually. Yeah. And just one last thing. Fuck the Tories. Yeah. Yes. And fuck Boris Johnson and Michael Gove and Dominic Cummings. And especially Evil Jacob fucking Rees-Mogg. bastards. Yeah, he can do one. He lives in a world that never exists in the first place, does Rees-Mogg. Oh, we know there we go. The Magna Carta. That's what he'll talk to you about, the twat. <laughs> oh, the Corbin. Anyway, uh, yeah, we were going to talk today about, obviously, you guys had the, sounds like a hell of a weekend, not just meeting uh, Jay from EastEnders, mm-hmm. but getting to some shows as well. So we're going to talk that big weekend and so many fucking shows this weekend that I was kind of... Oh. The G1 fatigue had hit me and I was really struggling the last couple of weeks to watch any wrestling and this was just like a cold splash of water in the face. More wrestling and lots of it and lots of great stuff. But the big big place we should probably start, uh, AEW. They are there all out. Uh, their, their latest and their biggest pay-per-view since Double or Nothing uh, this weekend. And again, bit of breaking news. We should probably talk about it because I was Joe, I was going to start the podcast complaining and crying about the fact that CM Punk didn't turn up. I was on Matty's couch mm. at five in the morning, ready to explode for CM Punk to uh, to come out. I was one of them people. I was going to go, I'd said to the lads, if he came out, I was going to go on a night out in town. I was going to go find any open bar anywhere and celebrate all night that CM Punk could return to wrestling. But sadly, it didn't happen. But more importantly than that, I don't know if you've both seen, apparently Chris Jericho went out on the piss after the show with the new AEW title <laughs> and somehow lost the belt. I think there's an official, apparently there's an official police report that says it was stolen from the back of his limousine. I don't believe it. Chris Chris Jericho was well in a, in like a, a pub somewhere or a stripper somewhere, speaking of last week, and he's lost the belt. Probably the most predictable story of the weekend. Fair play to him. That's that's how a, a champ, a proper champion, should celebrate. You know, just oh, he values the title. I'm sure. Any excuse, really, isn't it these days for him to go out on the tear? He but, loves going out on the tear. Imagine if he. I understand an if he waiting was... to happen, carrying around something like that while you're out on the piss. Yeah. No. Well, apparently, I'm size at, of the fucking thing I'm, as well. I'm looking at like the police report. It says it's a bit like when I write stuff for Post, and I'm Richard Benno Benson. He's Christopher Jericho Irvine in the police report, and apparently <laughs> the, victim, the victim reported theft of his championship wrestling belt. 
belt wrestling while he was eating inside the longhorn steakhouse <laughs> the victim said he arrived at the millionaire club airport terminal and put the belt in his rented limousine what a star i love it and he got, and they got shuttled to the longhorn for dinner where he lost the belt tremendous he was well on the piss come on i've seen jericho in action oh, yeah. in liverpool uh i can i can only picture the uh, the scene that uh, that was happening there Oh, I could de- he's definitely gone out on, on the Raz. There's not really any excuse these days for him to go and do it. But in fairness, though, like you have to be fairly shited. I mean, it's a bad idea, isn't it? It's just an mm. accident waiting to happen. I'm going to go out on the drink. I'm going to bring out this belt that's probably cost into the five figures. And it's a massive fucking thing. And it's probably, you know, if I put it on, it just pulled out my trousers, probably. You know, <laughs> the size of the thing is outrageous. And, you know, you're going to lose it. It's hard enough holding on to your phone if you're having the kind of sessions that he likes having. So let alone if you bring, like, a title belt out as well. well you know what? It's karma. He's still pizza in Liverpool. Mm. And now he's getting karma for seeing that bloody pizza by losing his belt. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Makes sense. I mean, should we start with that, with Jericho winning the belt? Do you want to go the show chronologically? Uh, I don't mind. Uh, what, are your, what are your big takeaways from the show, maybe? Uh, I enjoyed it overall. Thought mm. it was another good show. Few fl- flew red flags throughout the show for me, still with AEW, but all yeah. in all solid um i don't know if jericho winning the world title i don't know if that's one of the the red flags I think i think that was the decision i would have made but i wouldn't have had him and adam page as we said last week in the world title match in the first place especially adam page uh i don't know where, where do you guys uh want to start with this one up to you mate go ahead and start where you want to fair enough well i think that's the big that's the big story isn't it mm. the, the jericho kind of title win uh i thought the it did say to me, like, one of my big red flags from the show was I enjoyed the undercard of the show, and I enjoyed, there was a couple of matches on it I absolutely loved, but in some ways it did mm. remind me of old school WCW, where you get all the athletic great stuff on the early end of the card, and then you get to the main event, and this kind of Jericho walk and brawl style, which this kind of was, but kind of wasn't, kind of slows things down, and it was probably one of the least over matches on the card, I don't know, do you think it... Mm. you're happy with it with you know this to be the formula going forward because for me i just think i'm not sure again jericho's the biggest star in the promotion so i get wanting to put the belt on especially when the other choice is how page but i don't know if you've created that problem yourself and you're leaning into this uh, jericho as a, as a main event act things i've got no problem with him losing the belt but i don't know uh, how many more of these uh these slow uh jericho main events uh i'm particularly up for so I think that it's going to get better. Um, I don't think that this was the best title match, and I think they've also rushed creating a title. Mm. I think they probably should have taken a way more patient approach to it, and I think that putting Paige in this position this early on has really exposed him and hasn't helped him in any way at all. Uh, but I do think with Jericho, look, there's something there. His matches that he had previously in New Japan as early as this year with Naito, for example, were very good. He's not had the best year since. I like the Omega match. The Akada match wasn't great. This Page match wasn't great either. But I think once he gets in there with, say, a Cody, the focus that Cody's got to put on telling stories this year and with Jericho's ability to get someone over that little bit more and for a really over babyface to be against someone like a Jericho, I think will make it work. Um, I'm confident of that. 
I don't know if Cody's the next match of the next direction they're going in. It felt like it was after the show to me, and I kind of hope it is. I don't want Cody to get the belt right away. I think there are other things you can do with that. But I'm confident that this Jericho reign is going to get a bit, little bit better. I think if he faces Pack as well, I think they'll work something out there as well. Um, so I think he's the he's the best choice to start the, to kick off the promotion with. Mm. Case in point, um, guy who me and JP worked with, who we went to Riptide with, loved it. Um, love Pack, big uh, for example, at Riptide. Um, but he loves Chris Jericho, and his curiosity for AEW was kind of peaked when he mm. found out that Chris Jericho had signed for AEW. That mm. got him on board. He wanted to see Jericho Hangman Page. Um, as a result of the fact it was just Chris Jericho there, so I think if they are trying to get Laps fans on board, it isn't the worst route to go down. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think you get more than one run with the belt. I think this is a run to establish the belt. Mm. Um, I think that they'll have it on Cody at some point. I don't think yeah. they'll put it on Cody straight away. But I think there are certain directions you can go in with this, and I'm confident that it's going to get better. I think this is, like I say, it, they should, they've rushed creating this title, and I think putting Paige in this position was a real mistake this early on, and they should have done something a bit smarter. Maybe not created a tournament where you have to follow a spreadsheet or something like that that we had to do last summer <laughs> with another company. <laughs> but there should have been a bit more creative thought around this, and maybe they could have suspended creating the title a little bit based around some of the difficulties that they have had. In all honesty, I think Jericho or Omega were the two directions to go in, and they've gone in a completely different direction with Omega to what I would have predicted. But, mm. yeah, not a bad start for me. Fair enough. How about you, JP? What do you think of the match in general? I give it I give it three on Grapple. Uh, yeah, it was like a, same here. A gentleman's three, if anything. I've got to be honest. I was, it, it, it was late, and it was a long day of wrestling, and this match wasn't yeah. doing much for, for keeping me awake. Again, it was the pure hope of the CM Punk fanboy in me that, that kept me going. Uh, but I thought it was a solid match. He somehow got the Judas effect over. One of the worst moves in wrestling. It actually got a decent reaction when he hit it. I think that kind of showed you can kind of get anything over in wrestling. And it was probably the best he's ever hit it as well. Uh, so yeah, good reaction when he hit it as yeah, well. It was, yeah, was yeah. it surprising? Like that, that, that. Obviously, the the work he's they've put in with getting that over is a big move as work, despite the fact it's just a back elbow. Uh, good rest lesson, I suppose. Uh, as shitty as it is, but yeah, that got a big reaction. It was just for me, JP. The the rest of the match didn't really, and it would it pretty much struggled to come to come after uh, a lot of the the hot stuff that came before it. Well, exactly. I think the match before didn't do this any favors because of how spectacular and spectacularly dangerous it was, um, that this was always going to end up suffering by comparison. Um, as a match, I was really struggling through this. There were points when I was I was nodding off and I was trying to get back. Because obviously at this point, it's like quarter to five in the morning. You know, it was, it was a long, it felt like a long show for this one. Not that it was a bad show, but it did like, whereas yeah, it did feel the, well. the other mm. sort of bigger shows that, that we've watched like double or nothing or all in have actually been relatively easy watches, even when they've been not been very good. Mm. I've always been kind of focused this, but then obviously we'd been at Royal quest earlier that day. So th- there was an element of fatigue in there overall. Like I, I think they kind of booked themselves into this predicament by having the championship too early. There's a lot of the thoughts here. I'm going to end up kind of mirroring really what we all, generally think about it Mm. which is i don't want to see like i get the reason of going with jericho early doors if you think of it from a business perspective they've kind of got a year to get good ratings with tnt in order to kind of make them viable in the future 
So what they're going to have to do is go with who are the established names they can they can do. Now, as much, as big as Omega is and that base, in terms of trying to go out to a slightly mainstream audience as well, there's an element of building a story around him, which is why I kind of don't mind sure. what, they're, what they're doing with him as well. But the fact that they'll have Jericho, Pack, you mentioned Cody as well. There is those kind of familiarities. I guess for the first year... you got Moxley. Moxley, is, yeah, yeah, of course. And I think for the first year, that's where it's going to be. There's going to be this big six. You're gonna, they're going to have Omega in there as well, and then possibly, and then, and then they'll look to get Page as being the kind of sixth person in there. But that's something that really shouldn't be happening for like a couple of years, frankly. Yeah, I think at this point, I think one of the big problems with Page, I, I would agree with both your thoughts on the match. I wasn't that into it. It was fine. I think I went about three stars on it. Mm. They did pop for the big moments in the match. Mm. <clears throat> that was one thing I did know. That kept me awake when they yeah, did that. Yeah. yeah, but the crowd were kind of dead for most of it. I just think with Page, they made real mistakes with basically getting Page to stop working everywhere else. I think the Bucks, Cody and Omega were down to rest. They were established superstars who were at a point where they needed a bit of a rest. And also, they're probably as good as they're ever going to be as wrestlers, right? Mm. Years of touring the Indies work in Japan, right, has helped them with that. Paige was getting hot as he stopped working. Mm. I think if they'd have let Paige just carry on working and they'd have said, right, you're in AEW, but go and continue doing Indies. Go and do some PWG. Uh, we'll get you over to Rev Pro for a bit, possibly, with Tony Khan's sort of connection to the company and the rest of it. Him working around and actually doing more bookings, I think, would have been of real benefit to him. Mm. It would have kept him kind of hot. It would have kept his name out there. If he's having buzzworthy matches and in indie promotions, this kind of hardcore element that are watching it, AEW are going to know about him. Mm. And I think they've really hurt just how over he is by stopping him working when he was peaking or when he was really improving. You think of him in G1 last year. He had a really, really good G1 where he came on loads as a wrestler. Imagine if he got another G1 this year. Mm. They managed to let mm. Moxley do one. Could Page have done one? Who knows? It would have just really helped his development. He could have come off some hot matches in G1 where he was more over in this match as a result. Mm. I just think they've made real mistakes in lumping him in with the other four guys as part of the elite. And I think they should have treated him more as the young boy of the elite, which they seem to do previously, rather than someone who's almost like on equal pegging. You, you think about it. Kenny Omega and Adam Page are on complete on a completely different level. And I think fans perceive them a different level. But Adam Page is in the first AEW title match. Mm. I think they've put him in an unfair position that he wasn't ready for. Yeah. He's a good wrestler. It'll get better, but he's got to go away and rebuild himself at this point. And it's going to be hard for him to do that. Mm. It's not the worst thing that can happen, though. You've got this sort of year of television that, that they've got with TNT. And I think it's only, is it only one year? Is it two years? I mean, these things are obviously very fluid, depending on what ratings are. But so I think there's time for it. It's not like it's a lost cause. But like you say, it's they're not working regularly. It was the thing that was getting him over was that, oh, he can work as well. That's where the kind of initial buzz comes from and then people are kind of getting on board with him and he feels like he deserves to be in that kind of, in that group in terms of his work. And now then you take that away. Wait. What is he? There's there's a series of gimmicks about wearing his gear outside the ring. And has he like named pay-per-view he, after him? Full gear? Yeah, they did. That's a that very WWE sounding name. Shit name. <laughs> it's shit. Yeah. It's supposed to be like, because they're trying to do like four big pay-per-views a year, and I think it's supposed to be the other big one. 
not like one of these B pay per views like Fight for the Fallen was. Yeah, it's such mm. a shit name, and it's just an in joke. It's another one like. I'm going to say it as we go through a lot of the, the things on this show. There's just a lot of red flags. I think the fact that, like, we all think Adam Page is a good wrestler, but nobody rates him as highly as Cody and the books seem to. They seem to think of him as, like, he's going to he's this gonna be this world-class star. And I, I think he's going to be great, but I don't. I wouldn't go as far as that. And because of that, they've pushed him to the, to the front. I think, you know, another red flag, I get using... That in joke about the full gear thing about him and Pac as like the name of their next pay per view. It's like, uh, just uh, I, I just worry about like the the creative control maybe when it comes to this version. There anybody like it's gonna pull him aside and go, you know what? It might not be, not be a good idea to put Adam Page in the main event of our our second big pay per view. He might not be ready for it. It might not be a good idea to have all these in jokes and you know either even in jokes in the Young Bucks promo for their match. We'll probably talk about in a minute with Lucha, Lucha Brothers like into that that I really didn't like. There's just quite a few things on the show. I can't help but look at it through the lens of who's booking this shit and how are they letting it get through uh and do they need like a i don't know like a consistent voice and a, and a leader to kind of emerge uh rather than this kind of shitstorm of ideas that seem to be uh we're seeing on our screens in a word yes that's exactly what they need it's the the central vision isn't there if there's one thing that kind of makes you worried about it is that this is going to be incredibly messy tv as it is because tonally it's all over the place Mm. and that can be fun on a pay-per-view and i get variety but it has to kind of also be a central kind of aesthetic to it so when you go from kind of silliness to seriousness to these kind of blood feuds and the rest of it it's it's all over the place and it feels like you know going back to the main event the idea of them needing the kind of title in there there wasn't if there'd been a sort of central vision of actually this is what we need to do over this next year in order to establish everything and taking a long you know the idea of even getting into the tournament being a big thing and that's where the wins and losses could have yeah. played in and you could have done that for like a year getting to that and then actually built that as a really big storyline and now instead you're in the same mode as WWE where you've got a world champion and I think yeah they need it's that singularity of vision they've not made the belt feel that valuable mm. either I think by creating no. it like this and hot shot in this kind of title match if anything I think that's just a bad start but they also feel like they're hot shot in title shots as well and like they're kind of coming out of nowhere like they want to get the titles on there because i didn't know that they were like sort of the battle royal was for the title shot and oh was it and yeah and the rio hikara shida match was for a title shot oh so for me i think one of the problems with the identity at the moment I get variety. I get mm. what they're trying to do with the variety. I think they're trying too many things mm. at one time. Mm. I think trickle stuff in, experiment, try stuff gradually. Whereas they've gone in from day one with this whole like like taster menu of what they want to deliver. And you know, for me, at the end of the day, I want my carbs. I want uh, my protein. And I want a bit of veg on my plate, you know, maybe like a Turkish meal. That's what they like to do. Yeah. Good sounds, each food group on there. Sounds like a bit of you a roast dinner to me, Joe. I mean, a bit of veg, <laughs> yeah. a bit of potatoes, Give me like a good chicken tikka, like off the grill, uh, <laughs> char grill, maybe a lamb adna, adana kebab or something like that. Some of that lovely Turkish couscous, some of the uh, salad that they use that, pomegranate molasses stuff on beautiful stuff just 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 great food so i I want a meal of variety 
but I don't want to taste a menu. Mm. I don't go to Michelin star restaurants for good reason. I did go to one in Poland, but that was because it was eight quid for a steak. <laughs> <laughs> Down after the strip club. But for me, you needed it. They're, yeah, they're trying to establish too much. So the Joshi, I could do without it for the time being. Maybe bring it in in a year. Maybe bring it in when you feel like there's an appetite for it. I don't think it needs to be something that is there on every show and is this prominent part of the promotion. And what I've seen from it so far, I've really not enjoyed one bit. I get the variety in terms of the Cody stuff. I get it in terms of the tag stuff. I get it in terms of the main event stuff and what you're going to give Omega and some of the kind of clustery stuff with Janela and all the rest mm. of them. I get that. But there are little things that they do need to sort out. It's, it's little act like the private party. Mm. I thought they had a good match on the pre-show, but again, it's the same problem with Paige. So you've got, say, the Young Bucks, who love private party and got them signed, right? The Young Bucks were out in the Indies for years holding their craft. They were in Japan for years holding their craft. What a private party you're going to get from signing, like, what, two years, maybe less into their careers? Are they going to improve? They're not going to be working regular schedules where they're working indies. They're going all over the place. I just feel like you're kind of stunting development of wrestlers, possibly, when you're signing up that early, just to give the card this variety. And, yeah, I just think they're trying to do too much too quickly, Mm. whereas this could have been more gradual, and I think people would have been satisfied with that kind of gradual development of promotion Mm. and that introduction of different acts and different types of wrestling hmm. interesting i mean i think yeah i think the counterpoint is like maybe they're trying to grab all different kinds of wrestling fans but i do i agree with like yeah i think tonally the it just feels like it's lacking a distinct vision right now um and mm. i think you can get away with some variety but yeah i think i think it's it's a it's a consistency thing because like you know you mentioned you go up up and down the card, and there's there's lots of good stuff, but tonally, I still don't know what AEW is. Um, and I think that's yeah. part part of that is that you've got these four different cooks who Cody, the Bucks, uh, and Kenny who seem to be like the the leaders of it. I mean, talking the mm. Bucks, I mean, you mentioned there they had the the, the semi event event was the uh, was their ladder match with the the Lucha Brothers, uh, the match that uh, Dave Meltzer hasn't shut up arguing with people this week about should have been the main event. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think you your first show you probably do what I've despite the fact Adam pages in it you probably want your title to be an event event and not the triple h tag team titles but it definitely struggled to follow this because it was fucking insane uh i i really enjoyed it as a match i think i think you can get i don't know i've seen a lot of like these young bucks kind of ladder matches with with big spots they did a million of them in ring of honor uh lots of big bumps and you, you can't know what you're getting i gave it 4.25 stars on on grapple ball can't help but enjoy it when it's as crazy as it was it definitely looked like pentagon had his working uh boots on i think because phoenix had that slight injury um that i believe he was coming into was it an ankle or a knee something like that you could see he was maybe a step behind what he'd usually be so uh, it felt like as, a, as an exchange pentagon was introducing all this rope running that i don't think i've seen him doing in years he's usually uh very reliant on his on his gimmick these days but yeah thought it was absolutely incredible big canadian destroyers off ladders and nutty bumps on the outside and 
but I don't know, kind of got a couple of really nasty bumps that maybe weren't uh, entirely planned as well in there and got the, the big debut of uh, LAX after two, all in all. thought this was a, this was a big win and I think for me the, the highest rated match I've, uh, I've got on Grapple for the night. I don't know about you two. I went four and a half. Um, mm. I thought it was the best tag ladder match I've seen in years. You know, I'm, I'm at a point where I feel kind of sick of ladder matches, but this was one of the better ones I've seen for a long time. Um, they went for it. They really did. I think the Bucks never had a ladder match in Ring of Honor that was close to as good as this match. Mm. Um and they delivered on the big stage, if anything. I was trying to think of the last tag ladder match that I thought was as good as this. And I think you're probably going back as far as some of the WWE TLC matches yeah. years ago. Mm. I think that might be because I've forgotten a few of them because they did become quite samey at a point. And then WWE forgot that they made the TLC matches great because they put the guys over afterwards by constantly repeating what they did in the match and making them feel special. And then guys like the Usos would put their bodies on the line, do crazy shit, and it would never be mentioned again. So people don't remember the match. So that's one of the problems. But yeah, these guys, I thought, absolutely killed it. I don't want to see them wrestle for a long time. (laughs) Kind of sick of seeing this combination. But if this was their last match for a good while... I think they probably had the best match that they've ever had together. Like some of the risks they took in this as well were absolutely mad. I, I was convinced Nick Jackson was dead at one point when he fell. When he kind of tripped on the ropes oh, and ended so up going that through ladder that was just too small for that. Face first. You, you can't do that Bubba Ray Dudley bump without a massive ladder. Like you're not. There was no way yeah. he was making that in a million years. Like it just it felt like a little bit like they hadn't quite thought that one through. Yeah, they really, uh, they really hadn't for that one. I mean, for, I could, you could obviously see what they were going for, but it was awful to watch. I think he mainly cut his hands, didn't he, rather than this, necessarily his head. He might well have got away with that. But I hate to say it, the thing that was kind of, and obviously it was very late at this stage as well, it was so dangerous. That was the thing that was kind of keeping me going. And then occasionally Joe would absolutely scream. I think it was the Canadian destroyer through the table. Oh, spot. that was horrible, yeah. I know, I just like, completely horrific um but it had that sort of element of danger I, it felt like a big blow off mm. and ultimately i think neither side lost anything they just sort of established themselves as the two teams in the division and i think you know obviously you're moving at, um lax whatever they end up calling them i think it's just ortiz and santana for the time being then absolutely fine work them into the mix there are other teams to do in this and I think you were advocating Joe um, yeah obviously having Pentagon and Phoenix in that in that mid card yeah. as well I'd like to see him maybe lose to LAX but LAX over on the way to them facing the Bucks potentially but one of the things me and JP were discussing when we were watching the show was how kind of the mid card is kind of hollow in AEW the mm. mid card is kind of made up of tag teams and kind of hardcore wrestlers if anything and very young guys very it's green a big drop off, yeah. isn't it, from like yeah, yeah from your haves and your have nots like that yeah the, yeah Cause, like, uh, I, go on. sorry Benno. no no because I, I was gonna say because like uh, my kind of we had funny because we had the same conversation in the room i was in you can you, you can plug that gap can't you with with pentagon and phoenix like i, I love them as a team but yeah but pentagon He's got so much star power, and if he gets, I'd rather see the Pentagon that we saw in Lucha Underground, kind of, you know, snapping arms and 
and having a, a da- you know a, a story to sink his teeth into, or the, the Pentagon sorry in Sammy Callahan on Impact as a singles guy, and Phoenix is like a maybe Phoenix gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I'd like to see that. I think yeah, rather than them as a team, it's funny because like, we were kind of saying the same thing. Mm. They could they could plug that gap easily, couldn't they? They really could do, and I think Phoenix is like there's serious crossover potential there, especially I think with Phoenix, just given how good he is. And they haven't got, you know, sorry to play to stereotypes for this, but they're going to need to kind of capture that that big Hispanic audience and getting someone like Phoenix in who is his English is good as well. So if you're talking about him cutting promos, you're going to have obviously Penta cutting them in Spanish. They just get over regardless. It seems like a really good fit to be able to do that. And then Phoenix battling against that top of the card, like him and Omega, you know. Well, I think Pat. someone like Pentagon, if Jericho's come into this brawling style, I think a one-off title match, maybe on TV as a main event, yeah, or as a one-off on the, maybe one of the B pay-per-view shows, Pentagon Jericho as a title match, yes, I think it'd be great. If they could go down the road that Pentagon and Sammy Callahan did last year and they go full-on hate-filled brawl, like proper brawl, mm. not this kind of we'll brawl for a bit and then we'll just wrestle, like proper intense brawling. I could see Jericho and Pentagon possibly... Uh, pulling that off mm. but i think as well a win over a pentagon phoenix in that mid card on the way up for a guy would probably mean a lot as well mm. so i think you, you can establish a, a good solid mid card with those two in it as singles guys who do team every now and then as well um think of the variety of matches they can have as well think of the outstanding performances that you know you're going to get especially from phoenix i think they really need to think about just not focusing them as a tag team from this point on Definitely. Yeah, I'd do it too. And again, I'd worry a little bit about Phoenix getting lost in the shuffle a bit, but he's so good that if you book him the right way, especially in the fan base, a little bit like AEW, we're going we're gonna to be there for his big spots and his big moves and his big matches. I think you can get away with that too. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I, I, love the, I love that they've got the deep tag division and you can always come back to it, can't you? Um, but yeah, I've always thought that there's bigger value, especially in Pentagon than that. Um, I mean, yeah, and again, they've got LAX coming in, which, you know, as you both mentioned there, that that's a big thing for me, that they can they can fill that slot in LAX. So I was made up. I love LAX. I was terrified they were going to wind up in WWE and get... Like, I can't, I can't even imagine LAX on Raw or SmackDown. I think maybe maybe now with the different lay of the land, maybe NXT wouldn't have been the worst landing spot for them if they wind up there and were on, you know, that two-hour NXT product every, every week, but... I don't know. I'd, I'd imagine when they made this uh, this contract decision, they they weren't really fully aware of that, and they've. It's good to see they've got their good heads on the shoulder and have gone with the the AEW side rather than WWE side, and kind of seen that what their I think their potential value to AEW is much bigger than what their potential value would unfortunately be on in main roster WWE at least. That's it in terms of their potential upside and the amount they could be earning, and also think of it even in this sense, they'll be much more valuable. Mm. if their contracts are up in terms of WWE getting them. It makes much more sense to go to a place where tag team wrestling is going to be focused. And I hope, and I'm quite optimistic that tag team wrestling can headline pay-per-views because that's Absolutely. an era I want to get back to. I, I don't mm. like the idea of, of of has to be world title defences headlining every show and every paper. I, I really do dislike that. And I think there's, there is something there with that. And I think, again, you know, they... They're hot. The crowd obviously knew exactly who they are as well. They felt like they they're going to fit into that sort of main event tag team scene. 
the Bucks are a main event act. Yeah, they and are. And I think because the Bucks are a main event act, tag team wrestling can absolutely exactly. headline yeah. these shows. Yes. They are, but with like quality control. Like I want to moan again, but like one thing I did want to mention before we move on to this match, like. Did you see the, the pre-match video like I mentioned earlier with, with Matt and Nick cutting the, the promo on Pentagon and Phoenix? And it kind of ended on like a dick joke from Matt. And it was just like, if you guys weren't in charge, there's no way this would get through for your big blood feud ladder match. Or like the stuff like, was it Matt who removed Pentagon's mask on the ladder? Uh, that's such yeah. a heel spot. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Like, I, you're doing it because you can. And they're just throwing shit at the wall. I do worry a little bit about unchecked young bucks, uh, but I do agree that yeah, you can you can main event shows with them and get away with it, and maybe they think the the sober lover with this fan base they can get away with it as well. Exactly, and I think you've got an option that can keep pay per views fresh potentially if you are able to transition maybe a tag match as the main event on a show as well makes the belts valuable. Yeah, I'm all for it if they can pull it off. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, the other big match on the show, well, there's two, probably two other big matches on the show, but another one I definitely want to talk about, uh, Sean Spears and Cody. Uh, maybe maybe the, the weaker of the, of the Cody singles matches on these yeah. types of shows. But as actual it, matches, yeah. Still, still a enjoyed lot it, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's still a, f- a favourite part of the show for me. I still gave it, I gave it three and a half on Grapple, which, you know, doesn't sound like the strongest rating, but I still enjoyed it a lot. The big Arn Anderson spot was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Cody takes the piss with these these entrances at this point. The the Star Trek stuff wasn't for me. The uh, the oh, scare of the, the scare, oh. I'm not a Star Trek guy. To- sorry, to- Tony had been walking around, hadn't he, just before that one? Yeah. The dog was desperate to get back to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where that was going. That poor dog of those fireworks. So you were loving it, Joe. Was a hater of dogs. You were. Uh, you were enjoying that poor dog being terrified by the fireworks, weren't you? I know. No, I'm, I, mate, I, I, I'm not a fan of um, Schadenfreude. I think I said that right. Yeah. Neither <laughs> the faction uh, nor watching people experience Schadenfreude. So, <laughs> poor, poor little dog. I hope he got, got backstage and Tone gave him the bloody time of his life. <laughs> and uh, I hope there was a good cleaner backstage to clear up, clear up after Tone. So. Um, but back to the match <laughs> from the entrance. Honestly, I thought this was a lot of fun. It the was. Tully Blanchard stuff. I thought he was the star of the match, if anything. Like he was fucking awesome. Where's he been for thirty years? Like some of the little hill mannerisms he was doing. I love the bit with the belt. That must have been some really potent coke he had. Some back in the bla- day, yeah, yeah, to get blackballed. <laughs> yeah, long fucking hell. <laughs> He, I enjoyed his, his role. He did. He was a little bit a step behind the action at points, but you can understand that, can't you? With like, oh. give him, give him a few weeks on TV, and you can probably iron that out. Uh, there's definitely, I, I, definitely money isn't going to keeping him around. There, did you not fear the worst though? Because you kind of think, oh, this could go horribly wrong and not look particularly great. Yeah. He might not look know what he's doing. He was completely on it. His it facials like- when he was hiding the belt around there, and you could just see what he's doing, but it wasn't too obvious. He's, he's got a bit of a like old man art look about him as well. I don't know what it is. I was saying it was like, it would make me reminiscent for like when Harley Race was Vader's manager, mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Older hard dude by ringside. I'm good with that. Oh, I hope it continues. I don't know what where Spears goes as an act. 
But I hope they use Tully for some mm. maybe other guys as well. I hope they they really make the most of him. I don't know what Arn Anderson does. He's certainly been indulging since he's been away from WWE. <laughs> Arn, he's been having a good time. And uh, he's not going hungry, is he? He still, he still did the role, though. He still did the role. It, it was, oh, it was, was a flabbier role than normal, but he still managed to. Yeah, if it anything, was great. Helped. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's Arn. It's Arn doing a spine buster. I'm... <laughs> There's never a point where you're not popping big for that. Yeah, mm. as far as shenanigans go, worked for the match, mm. appropriate for the match. Cody is a star. Mm. Um, yeah, he is. I've never, I've not been big on Cody, but oh, he's right really now. grown on me this past year. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed. You what, left his main event match early, uh, didn't you? Uh, Eighteen months ago, I left his match of El Fantasma. Yeah, I wanted to get home. Uh, tr- <laughs> you know, I wanted to beat the rush, oh. and I was like, eh, imagine that now. Imagine this AW Cody against the heel El Fantasma that's been a revelation these last six months. I'd be buying a ticket for that. Never mind, go on. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Different world. Diff- absolutely different world. And I'm now a Cody Rhodes fan after this past mm. year. Huh. This is his oeuvre. This is what, sorry? This, this is oeuvre. This is, his, this is his style. It's these types of matches, mm. the emotion in there. And there's a big long list of people in that promotion. There's a long list of people in that promotion who all kind of benefit from it. I mean, these matches with him, like Jericho, we've already brought it's up. It's even well. Jericho with an MJF turn, costing him the belt, followed by the MJF feud. That's that's the direction I want to see yeah, this go. Yes. MJF needs to be like at the top of this card. Yes. Like I've, I've heard people dismiss him a little bit as maybe a bit too comedy undercard heel, but I think he's fucking no. I, especially again with this audience. Like he's gonna. If anyone's gonna get, it's gonna be tough for anyone to get heat out of this audience, and he's gonna get it when he turns on Cody, and it's coming obviously, and we all know it's coming. That was what was so brilliant about this. It's like because it's obvious, even the commentators are kind of alluding to it, and MJF's picking chairs up behind Cody's back and putting them back down again, and just being so good. It's like that. The, the heel turn that everyone except for Cody knows is coming. And you've got to walk a line there because you don't want to look Cody look too stupid. But yeah. I think when it happens, all it's going to do, it's going to give Cody another excuse to have a, a blood match again. And we're going to get another, another great Cody pay-per-view main event. So completely worth it for me. And MJF is just nailing the role. I, I really thought it was going to be Arn in, a, in Cody's corner, but I think by having Arn do the big surprise spot and having MJF in the corner being the biggest cheerleader babyface in the world was just absolutely perfect. And yeah, I think, you know, we talked before about giving the book to, to somebody or having like a, a singular direction mm-hmm. in this company. Can we just go with Cody's vision? Can we like just push the Kenny stuff to the sides and just have more of this yeah. over the shows. I think I'd, I'd much prefer that to to some of the uh, the, the comedy stylings we got out of Kenny in the books. I completely agree, and it's weird because I would say I prefer Kenny in the Bucks as wrestlers, mm. even though I'm raving about Cody, but Cody's vision of wrestling and what he sees wrestling as is much more in line mm. with mine. Mm. And I think, like I said about not enjoying maybe the variety, I think for me Omega is bringing kind of the the parts of that variety that I'm enjoying the least to the mm. promotion and what I'm enjoying the most is kind of the Cody influence to be honest mm. with you I was enjoying his sting tights to be honest he was full on 1989 <laughs> baby face gold tight sting uh, yeah Cody Cody, eight, Cody is a man sorry. of our own heart I think 89 to 93 WCW as much turmoil as there was that went on there 
that's for me that's one of my favorite eras of wrestling probably go back Four. to 88 nwa actually yeah Just go 88 there's so much great stuff over that five-year stretch. It always starts with the Sting Flair match, doesn't it? Of that kind of. Uh, that's is that eighty-seven Clash of the Champions one, the yeah. Sting Flair one. Yeah, yeah. And Starcade eighty-eight's a great show as that's, well. Yeah. Some of the clashes throughout that are really consistent. I, I love some of the Bill Watts stuff in '92 as well. As mm. much of a twat as he sounded, but you can tell <laughs> Cody takes so much. Oh, yeah. from that era as well when he was a child growing up. And good. Backstage probably as well, wasn't it? Arrested. He's probably there at the shows, like seeing it in real. Like, whereas we were, I was grabbing the tapes from my local video shop a few years later and trying to watch all the uh, the early 90s thing that I could. Cody was living it. Uh, and it's obviously rubbed off, hasn't it? Yeah. And he's, and long may it continue, but it does make sense that if anyone's going to have a singular vision of it, you know, Cody is the one. Hmm. Definitely, yeah. And again, like you both said, never would have thought it uh, going into <laughs> AEW. But I suppose kind of lost in the conversation and the other big match of the night, and probably because it came so early in the night, there was a Kenny Omega match on the show, and it was very good. Um, like, I, I, really, I think it was an odd decision to put it on as early as they did and put it on second yeah. on the main pay-per-view. Still gave it four stars, still really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know where else maybe you could have put it in the card. Maybe it should have gone on before the, the Bucks ladder match or or even after. Uh, but odd decision to put it on second, but still very good if, you know, Kenny is kind of being maybe downplayed a little bit at a time where I think maybe mm-hmm. he, should be, he should be at the forefront. I don't know, what did, what did you two make of this one? I think for this one, I, it was almost like I wasn't ready. Mm, so like, yeah. When this yeah, started, it was just like, I'm not really ready for this. This is like a match that I kind of want to be into the show properly. Yes. And like you say, it being on second kind of took it away. And it wasn't that it was bad. It was very good. Pack was on. He was really motivated, obviously. There was a chemistry. There was real chemistry oh, yeah. there. There was, you know, there, it was a match that I'd like to see again. You'd kind of like to see it again with circumstance. I get the idea of Pack winning as well. Sorry, you. No, no, carry on. But I would say with Kenny, what it appears to be doing is this is like going to be possibly the real year-long story arc of what they do. Is Kenny? Um, is Kenny's kind of thinking that he was too thinking that he was better than perhaps what he was, but now he's had to raise his game because he's in AEW and they've got all these stars in, and so this is. You know, it's going to come to the point where he ends up taking out all the people who he's who he's beaten before at that at that top level. So I'm all right with that necessarily as a story, but I get why because he kind of is what makes some difference because he hasn't got that kind of former WWE taint to him of a lot of those top liners, which even Cody has. Yeah, I feel like they're maybe missing a trick here by not making him like he's a star but they're not cementing his stardom no. in the promotion new, new no, fans, the way they're booking him at the moment. JP just, like JP just said there, like new fans are going to be... He, he's the one people aren't familiar with. So you really yeah. you want to present him as a winner, don't you? You want to present him as... You know that Kenny Omega that you might have heard vague stories about in Japan? Here he is and here's how good he is. I kind of question that a little bit going with the, the losing streak mm. idea instead, Joe. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think... <laughs> Let's hope it works out, but I think initially this isn't the smartest idea. It's probably what he wants to do, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. He's being yeah. selfless, isn't he? You can kind yeah. of tell. Yeah, and fair play to him, but is his selflessness 
at the same time sacrificing his long-term stardom and possibly the health of the promotion because he's not establishing himself as a star early doors. Mm. We'll find out, I'm sure. Mm. But I'm hoping, I like, you know, I like a long-term story, but I'm wondering if this is a long-term story at the wrong time, possibly. Mm. Um, I think we'll see a rematch at some point. I think they'll have a better match when they do have a rematch. And I like this match. I thought it was a very, very good match. Mm. But it almost felt like a tease for something else down the road, if anything. Mm. Um Especially with that finish, yeah, with the with the, with the submission, the brutalizer finish, which was yeah, but I don't know where that was. Wasn't it? something I liked it. I mm. didn't mind it. I mean, but it's I wasn't sh- expecting it. It wasn't something that had been built to necessarily. I was expecting a quick red arrow or something along those lines. I like the shock value of it and yeah. the way they shot the crowd afterwards was very, very effective. I thought mm. showing those shot faces in the crowd, showing those expressions, I thought production team did a great job with that if anything and it helped establish the shock of both Omega losing and also the way he lost and it'll help pack get that move over that little bit more next time he applies mm. it as well because mm. people will remember that big moment as a result of it so yeah, yeah I'm not sure I like pack I'm not sure he's got the same star potential as Omega I think yeah, that's why yeah. I have an issue yeah. with it one thing I was going to bring up as well was it Dragon Gate or was it pack interesting right I th- I mean, I I think, I don't know, if it was me, I would have put Pac over Page anyway. But obviously, I think the plan was for Hangman Page to get this far. So there's merit to it from that point of view. I think here, I think they're playing into it now because I think Moxley would have beat Kenny anyway. Can we all agree on that? I think that probably was the what they were yeah. going to do. So it makes sense to give it to Pac and maybe establish Pac in the company. So, you know, they're playing into that... Refu- alleged refusing to lose thing but i don't know i'm hearing rumblings and the visa stuff makes probably mm. still seems to make a lot of sense as to the issue why pat couldn't be out there but you know the man who broke the story dave Meltzer, of the uh of the the dragon gate belt being the problem has, has been a bit quiet on it maybe we'll hear something more in the observer on thursday yeah maybe i mean i would say with the dragon gate he's just I can imagine it being even as he just seemed absolutely determined that he was going to do this massive favour for them once he'd once he'd been released uh, once he was really uh, got out of WWE that he was going to try his absolute best to build up Ben K and mm. uh, not a name we've heard for a couple of weeks on this show oh he's oh he's all right he's Pro- probably right. won't hear his name anytime soon yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think with Omega as well I think with Moxley if I was booking this. I'd have Moxley on TV most weeks when they start up mm. and I'd have Moxley winning matches on TV. Give him a couple of kind of quick matches, maybe one featured match. He's a TV star anyway. He's still one that people are going to recognise from week one. And after his wins on TV, I'd then have him lose to Omega. I think that would be the best route to go because you build Moxley up for Omega and Moxley probably won't lose that much from it if he's being put well on TV. So... Mm. Yeah, hopefully we get off this kind of Omega losing streak sometime soon because I can't remember the last time a losing streak storyline ever went well. Yeah, that's it. Um, what did you mm. both give the match out of interest? I said I went four on grapple. I know that's that's pretty much the exact grapple average on it right now, 3.99. Do you both go about that? Four. Uh, I think I went 3.75. Yeah, matter. Semantics. And, and I think they've got a 4.5 match in them somewhere, or even higher. Oh, yeah. Um, but again, maybe later in the card, and maybe, like you say, at the end of this story. Um, uh, elsewhere on the card, then, uh, what are your, your other highlights or lowlights or, or big talking points? Um, do you want to talk Jimmy Havoc, Joe? I was uh, I was I was perusing the uh, 
the grapple app. I was looking for uh, people's ratings on this Havoc, Darby Allen, Joey Janela match from the undercard and was a little bit shocked to see your rating. Uh, is this the highest you've ever gone on a Jimmy Havoc rating in the last two years, maybe? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but he didn't do much. He sat there with some thumb sacks in his mouth. And that he was... basically didn't take a fucking Joey Janela. Go on. He didn't take a fucking bump, did he? He took a he took a bump, but for the most part, this was um, a Joey Janela and Darby yeah. Allen basically yeah. kind of doing stuff, and it was really entertaining and really fun. And they both got over more as a result of it. And I thought Darby Allen is I think Darby Allen's awesome. There's really something there with him. I really hope they go back to the Cody stuff and the um, Ten Man stuff at some point as well. What's his name? My uh, Sean Spears. Sean Spears stuff as well of him at some point. And I was a bit annoyed Jimmy Havoc won, to be honest. Because yeah, where'd you go with Jimmy Havoc? Like, he should, mm. for me, he should just be someone who's in this part of the card forever. Whereas I think with Darby Allen, there's absolute potential to do something with him. Mm. Um, yeah, it just seemed like a silly result to have Jimmy Havoc lose. But, you know, he didn't do a lot. I hope it, I'm sure that there are lots of cuts in his mouth as a result of thumbtack <laughs> as well. And I'm sure the beer got into the bloodstream quicker that night as well. Got drunker quicker, so you know. Every he was out with Jericho, maybe that's what happened. Um, yeah, this for me, like I, I, lo- I, I love the match, and I love the. And you're right, it's Darby Allen and Joey Janela that made it. Them killing each other, like you say, with the mm-hmm. with the cracker barrel Darby Allen spot, and Joey Janela just being willing to tope himself to death uh, and get power bomb to death, and just be willing to take the the big bumps. But yeah, I just thought it was. A, <laughs> Maybe again, an indication of, you know, this whole wins and losses matter thing. They they clearly see something in Jimmy Havoc that the three of us probably don't. But, you know, they might have gone into this thinking, oh yeah, Jimmy Havoc's going to be the star. But Darby Allen's been getting really good responses on, the, you know, his, on his appearances so far. He's clearly got the, the big star potential. He's clearly connecting in a way that I would say Janela and Havoc aren't quite yet in AEW. Surely you call an audible mm. at that point, and that that worries me that they didn't call an audible. They didn't go, you know what? We recognise there's something with this Darby Allen kid, and maybe we need to get behind them a little bit more. And they went with the the British, you know, quote unquote legend in Jimmy Havoc. Um, yeah, I don't really get that thought. I don't get that at all either. I mean, Darby Allen's a star. Uh, he really is. He's a star. Like, I mean, in terms of like, I really like Janela, but Alan is is a star if he doesn't kill himself beforehand. Um, it was, it was, it's. I thought it strode the line of silliness and the kind of sheer spectacular. It rode that very, very well with with the barrels and everything else. I, I just, I was like almost enjoying this against my will. <laughs> like, I'd almost come in prepared to say this is going to be some horrific cluster fuck deathmatch type thing it came was. out going actually it was yeah it was but in a way that just felt acceptable creative like, to me it was it was it was more creative than i thought it was i mean i've seen janella do the the chair spot before but it always looks it looks good mm. and in front of that crowd it's something that does look spectacular so they and i thought they might suffer because obviously they've been following the omega pack match as well but the crowd obviously were well into this mm. but yeah uh, maybe we'll end up with Jimmy Havoc versus Chris Jericho. See? <laughs> he could be the man to set it up, yeah, because there isn't really anyone obvious. Let's hope not. Um, but I, <laughs> oh, don't uh, tell me you're not intrigued. Uh, they could tell an Osprey Havoc level story with him, maybe, you know. 
Havoc could be the Osprey. No, let's not do it. Um, I gave it. By the way, I gave it three and a half. JP, I know you did. You give it three and a half as well uh, on graphic. I gave it. I gave it three and a half. Does that make Joe the high man on a Havoc match? What did you give it, Joe? Is it three point seven five? Was it that or was it three and a half? Um, oh. I'd have to check check the app. Um, come back to me on that one. Oh. Download the Grapple app, search for Joe Lemon, and you can see Joe, Joe rating yourself. There's a plug. There you go, Gareth. Uh, there's an Android oh, update, yeah. by the way, there's, everyone. There's, there's new functionality <laughs> that we be, oh, be remiss not to mention. I know. I was and an make, Android update. I was going to plug oh, this at the end of the show, but we're here now, aren't we, JP? Yeah, there's, a, there's an Android update f- fixing all the uh, some of the crashing bugs that were, were happening with the app. Um, I, I can say as a, as a tester myself that it's uh, it's running a lot more smoothly. So yeah, if you haven't downloaded it recently, download it. Search for Joe Lemon and you can uh, you can actually find his ratings down in there and see what Joe really gave it. Yeah, I'll keep this one a mystery then so you can come follow me. There you go. <laughs> Blue Chew, eat your heart out. See, we can go to call, uh, read dad's lads. We need to. Uh, we need to get on that. Never mind. There's Patreon bollocks. We need. Uh, we need to do it Jericho style and like to work it in randomly. Do you reckon Tony so would bad. feed uh, Tony Khan would feed Pharaoh some blue chew? So he's just, <laughs> just going to town in the entire show. It's his coping mechanism during big pay-per-views on the first week of TV. Does blue chew work on dogs? I don't want to know. We could find out. Tony could find out. <laughs> Well, we're not getting a Bluetooth ad read now, Joe. Oh, well. We're certainly not getting an AEW podcast either. That's, <laughs> that's very much out of the fucking question. <laughs> uh, just wait till I meet and we'll compete the uh, the triumvirate and uh, I'll put a good word in. We'll see what we can do. Um, You'll work it. <laughs> any other big talking points for you then from the show, from the rest of the undercard? Um, anything, mm. anything to say on uh, the opener? SEU and Luchas, uh, SEU versus uh, Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, and for reasons, Marco Stunt. Thought that was a lot of fun again. Again, another odd one, though. Yeah. I think it actually ties into that last talking point, doesn't it? You know, I'm saying about Darby Allen calling Audible, put him over. I get it that SEU have lost a lot of matches, but, you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are getting over to a point that, oh. come on, call an Audible, put them over, lads. I know Marco Stunt was there to eat the pin, and he was actually very entertaining in this match. He wasn't as in the way as he's been in uh, previous appearances, but. Come on, get it's hot. Get behind it, Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus Jericho. I'd watch that. Yeah, that's why it makes, you, makes you really wonder how he was ever released from WWE. Who was he? Was he in WWE? Oh, he was in a like he was. He was in. Um, I want to say he was in like one of the Tough Enoughs. Oh, that's where he, I think that's where he came through. Certainly in developmental. I don't remember given the being a size and the athleticism. You know, it's over. In personally. I prefer it wasn't this sort of Luchasaurus gimmick, but you know what? It's massively over. So yeah, I it's working. It's, it's working. working, so I'm in the minority and quite happy with that he's as in, well for it. He's in Liverpool um, soon. He's uh, he's doing that uh, OWE tour. Uh, him and uh, Jungle Boy can't make it, so him and Marco Stunt to cheer uh, teaming up, so I'm going to get to go see them live. Uh, it's no longer in Chinatown anymore, which is sad, but it's, uh, it's in oh. uh, the old Grand Central venue that Infinite used to use. Honestly... Luchasaurus has sold me a ticket there. Like I was thinking of going anyway. Yeah. I was probably likely to go anyway, but uh, definitely want to hopefully get a picture with the big man because he's uh, he's definitely got something. He really does. I mean, and it's like him and Jungle Boy. That should be rather like private party to a degree. The teams that you're taking a really long time with to get to that level. But there's definitely some definitely something with both of them. But certainly um, this one. They're calling them a boy and their dinosaur, aren't they? Yeah, that's the name of the team. A boy, a small boy and their dinosaur. Yeah. 
Oh, One of the things I was going to say as well on that subject of private party up again mm. and some of the young guys, I think this is where they need to sort a relationship out with a Japanese promotion as well. Because mm. I think, you imagine private party getting a Dragon Gate on and off on tours for a year or two. Imagine the development that will give them. Yeah. Uh, think of, uh, say, I don't know, Jungle Boy getting to go over as well and do something. If they can't sort the New Japan stuff out, try and make ties somewhere else. Because at this point in time, I think they are going to stunt, like I said earlier, development of some of these young guys who aren't getting to wrestle as many indies. And I think they are going to see that that is a slight mistake at some point if they don't find a relationship of a promotion that they can kind of export guys to for a bit. Mm. It's funny you mention so, import. Having, export. having these guys on independent shows and then doing something within the TV show saying, you know, without you know rushing into running live events themselves... I think it would be quite a good thing for them to kind of almost have a deal with a, like, effectively showcase, I don't know, like a little clip from Bar Wrestling and mention that Luchasaurus is there and whatnot and try and sell on some of the small indie shows in order to kind of keep them consistently working. Um, Because there's a lot of potential there. And, I mean, I'm into them, and I wouldn't have ever expected I'd have given a shit about Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, Mm. you know. But, you know, I completely get why people are into it. It works, and I think you know. Likewise, similarly with um, with private party. Mm. Yeah, it, it benefit them definitely. It benefit Jungle Boy specifically. It benefit. I've said before in the show, if Joe Janela was doing GCW, I think it'd benefit him. Mm. It'd keep his cool factor. It'd keep Jungle Boy and Marco Stunts kind of cool factor. Do you think they're up. forgetting that? That they're they forgetting about the cool factor of the actual that these guys were independent, and mm. there's that independent stuff that they kind of need to, like, almost embrace. Especially Janelle. Rather than thinking, like, you've got to the show, but it's like saying all of us came from this very small mm. world in front of these very small crowds and, and kind of embrace it yeah. so much more than perhaps what they have done so far. Well, Joe Janela's not over because he's a good wrestler, is he? I mean, people just yeah. pretend he is, but I love him. I'll, I genuinely, he's one of my favourites, but, like, he's over because he's the cool indie guy who does the, the, the wacky GCW shows. Uh, yep. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for that with credibility, but I don't know, to kind of tie it in, I was going to say, you know, if we're going to be uh, exporting wrestlers, can we export Dark Order anywhere, just away from this company? Because, oh. fuck me, like, this, again, <laughs> red flag time, like, you, they must recognise that this isn't working. They must recognise that the Dark Order of Evil Uno, okay, that works, Dark Order, and his mate Stuart, Stu Grayson, who for some reason is yeah. part of this Dark Order gimmick. Like, it's not getting over, it's dying to death. You probably, at this point, just let them be the Super Smash Brothers and go out and just have good matches. Like, get get, get the, the shindy dudes with no tops on from their corner. Yeah. Get rid of them. It's a horrible visual. Kill the indie Bray Wyatt stuff. And just go back to doing what they do. Have have good undercard tag matches. I know you want to give your mates a job, but fucking hell, are they yeah. bad? Or are they not even bad? Are they just not connecting in any way? Uh, it hasn't connected. The the gimmick is just from an, an ear. It's not what people want to see. No, I mean, I've, many times I've enjoyed listening to Joe rant about the supernatural in wrestling, and it's this same thing again, isn't it? It's mm. this same bollocks, and it's it insults your intelligence unless you're going so like so OTT with an element of a sort of a nod and a wink to the audience, which this doesn't have. And it's the state, it, it's as well, it, it's the state of the guys who are by ringside. They don't look remotely threatening. Mm. Let them have a killer match with the Young Bucks and then 
push them down the car. Well, they, they just look like they've wandered out of a kink club, frankly. Yeah, they middle-aged you men. Know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Indeed. Uh, too shame. <laughs> Story time. No. Okay. <laughs> Again, buy Jeff Ogden a pint, he'll tell you all about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm convinced that they're going to get the Dark Order and a match of the Bucks on TV. They'll have a killer match. Yeah. And it'll be time to just push push Dark Order down the card and they'll just be an enhancement tag team. Yeah, that's and it. And then hopefully these mass blokes fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, anything on Orange Cassidy turning up? Or I suppose any other thoughts on the show as a whole? That um, Rio Shida match or, or I suppose ugh. the Lion as well? Uh, assorted thoughts. Floor's open. If I- if I could say about in terms of the Joshi match, I mean, I just really wasn't into it, but it's partly the way that, and Joe's mentioned it before, it's like this weird kind of standalone from the women's division, and it's just been kind of heavily just thrown out there too much too soon. And to a degree, it's just like wanting to kind of, they should have gone in trying to establish them separately rather than what it feels like they're doing every single month, which is impose this stardom match into um in, into AEW and, it, and it, for me it doesn't necessarily work they've gone again for me too quickly into a women's title match but not even with the people you consider to be the stars of the division in terms of like they've ended up with Rio versus Nyla Rose and Nyla, Nyla Rose that me... sucks she's terrible come on I I don't know why I don't mind her as much and I did like it may have been because of the the match they had at the last show, which I know again was with I can't think of who else in there with that freeway the where the for some reason she was taking all them spots and not being dominant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Awesome yeah. Kong was yeah. drowning her out that one. Yeah, as well. no, that that, 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 that one, was the one wasn't. Before, good. Yeah, but like, yeah, freaking, but yeah, yeah. It, it feels like. A, because I didn't mind that battle royal. I thought it was better than the last bloody battle royal they did. Yeah, it was which actually fine. wasn't so much. I gave that one star. But again, but, though, it was it was it had the same problem as that battle royal in that everyone's mm. coming out without their own entrance. Unless mm. you're a hardcore fan, you don't know. Like they introduce five people at a time. Am I supposed to know which one? If I'm a casual fan, which one's Britt Breaker and which one's B Priestley? Like, okay, maybe not Britt yeah. Breaker, but you know what I mean. Like the, the Big Swall is a name you might not have heard before. You know, Lever Bay, exactly. Yeah, not Swall from the No Limit Soldiers. Unfortunately, I was really hopeful when uh, when uh, when they said Big Swall was coming up, but sadly not. Nicole Savoy, you know, like you you want to get. If you want to get these mm-hmm. people over, you want everyone to know who Shazza McKenzie is, you know, apart from having a scrap with B Priestley, you wanted to stand out maybe a little bit more. I, I didn't enjoy the Battle Royal at all, to be honest, JP. I thought it was a, a really? shit show, but maybe, maybe it's the fact that Brandy Rhodes they was They got there. through them quicker. Yeah, I suppose there's that, yeah. That was the thing. They they got through it quicker, and they were just trying to, like, kind of only establish really a couple of people. I suppose, in a sense, it was just sort of so inoffensive. And admittedly, we were kind of still getting a bit of food in and the rest of it at that stage. It felt, oh, it was kind wow. of like an easy... <laughs> it was good background viewing. Yeah, yeah it was like you went very easy to watch without having to it, particularly concentrate on it. But I didn't realise there were like stakes at this. I just seemed to just... Yeah, the winner of this seems... faced the winner of the, 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 the women's match on the main show before anyone sends any letters. I think that's the idea. It seems like the Britt Baker B. Priestley stuff is the stuff that gets over more than anything mm. in that women's division as well, which I find kind of interesting. And... See where they go with that, I suppose. But yeah, it's about how, it. How fucking shit is Brandy Rhodes, by the way? Like, she's bad at everything. Oh. She is a she is rotten. Like, 
she shouldn't be on TV as a wrestler. She, she no. she's not the she's okay as a talker, but I don't like her budget. Stephanie McMahon act. I suppose it goes with Cody's mini Triple H act. But I'd have her away. I wouldn't have her on this product at all. I think she's god awful. You know the worst thing as well that shows that she's really not doing too well at the moment. Even the dogs turned on her. <laughs> He'd rather be with Tone. <laughs> Most dogs would you? Most dogs, you know how to show a dog a good time. Yeah. When you got a billionaire for your owner, or you got Brandy. Yeah, he knows what's going on. Does old fair? He's a wise dog. Sorry, Christ. <laughs> if I could also, I thought the commentary was better. I have to say, I think Golden Boy's all right. <clears throat> Jr. is still. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I was listening to Wade Keller on his podcast rave about how good Jr. was. I was like, was he listening to a different broadcast? He he, he seemed as grumpy as ever to me. Like he hates this. He hates He's it. all right with the Cody stuff. I think. It's like Heenan in 99 but, or something like yeah, that. <laughs> he, he either outright detests it, and I don't know if he's drinking as much as Heenan, but there's every chance. But he, mm. he either outright detests it, and you can he, he, he can tell he's see them behind his teeth having to talk about some of it, or like in the Best Friends match, he just goes silent for long periods and lets the other two take over because he clearly hates it that much. I mean... You can't. That can't be your lead commentator. You, you've got to at least be Jim Cornette and work it into your gimmick and still get these dudes over, even if you hate them. Like, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think, give it a year, let them establish themselves on TV, and then you say goodbye. If anything, yeah. he he can do a job. He can be that voice that links, you know, uh, two eras of wrestling and the fans thereafter potentially, and then go backstage and help with the actual structure of the show where he really could possibly, possibly do something more, I suppose talent relations is a mm. thing wasn't it back in the day but Shivani, I think would be a better fit yeah, when I've heard Shivani do MLW he seems like he's still yeah. got it to me mm. yeah that was worrying because Tony Khan did an interview after the show and he was like oh yeah we've heard feedback from people that want to hear Jim Ross and Tony Shivani on TV again together so that's going to be one of our oh. part of our TV but I was like ah. I mean as long as Excalibur's there I wouldn't go down that road I'd <sighs> use one yeah. one of them not both of them I, I think I, they'll do I, a I Nitro think... thing you know I reckon they'll do like hour one you get so many commentators in hour two like Golden Boy turns up to, to bring things back on track. Uh, Look, as long as Larry Zabisco doesn't turn <laughs> up and we're on. The New World Order. Fuck me. Dude. What a swat. Do you ever go back and watch those old nitros? It's fucking hard. Yeah. Like, he does Mexican jumping beans, New World Order. He's just there to get himself over, isn't he, rather than uh, anything actually happening in the ring. And the last notable thing he did was in 1980, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Any other thoughts? Dogs, Larry Zabisco, AW General, or should we go into your big weekend? Um, don't sense as much buzz on the promotion coming out of this. Mm. Um, what do you reckon the buyer it'll be? Well, it's hard to Double say. Double or nothing to the 100, I, didn't it? I don't think it'll do that. The TV rating isn't out for ITV4, because I'm curious to see. Yeah, that, that, well, that might be well. out by the time we record next week, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. But I, well, I don't think the buy rate's going to be as high um, based on... The, the shows in between as well. Um, it's a bit annoying. I think they need to get on TV now and just get going, basically, because at the moment I'm not feeling that buzz. Um, it's not there. I'm not quite as excited as I was before. I won't be staying up for another AEW show, that's for sure. Yeah, we were kind of of the opinion, like the last kind of really big event shows, like wait, it's going to take something. Like the next one, that full gear might be one that, frankly, I'll be all right catching up on in the morning. Yeah. It's not worth the sacrifice of sleep for me. Yeah. 
especially with this weekend as well. You'll be <laughs> all right. You, you're an animal like that. You can completely handle that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of going to work on two hours sleep. It's, uh, it's one of my unfortunate <laughs> hobbies, but I don't know. I, I'm still... I'm feeling it myself, but I do get what you mean. It does feel like the buzz is lower. Uh, it does feel like, yeah, you want to be going into your big TV with this big event, and you know, maybe it was the loss of of Moxley. You know, maybe they, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to moan about it one more time. They're in Illinois. CM Punk did the Q and A that day. Just throw loads of money at him. Take the buzz of the big CM Punk appearance, and I reckon that would help with TV going forward. But I'm just the CM Punk mark. I don't know about uh, you. No, if he doesn't want your era of ROH, is he, Joe? Yeah, I love him, but if he's uh, if he doesn't want to wrestle, then yeah. don't throw money in because you t- you get an appearance, you're gonna want more out of him, even if he just turns up and says hello. Like, yeah, unless he wrestles, I don't want to see it, and I also don't think he's ever gonna wrestle again because I think he's seen the work, the standard of the work right now, and I think he probably thinks the stars changed yeah. ever so slightly. Mm. I'm not gonna be able to keep up with this. Mm. Yeah, he said that about Osprey, didn't he? He'd seen gifts, and he was like, "Yeah, I couldn't do that." And I actually, agree. He kind of got this reputation in WWE, didn't he? As like this work rate guy, and he never was. He was the promo story guy. Um, but I don't know. He was I, great in ring as well. I don't. Yeah. Th- I, he was I feel- great, but he wasn't that kind of wrestler. I don't think. He, I think now. he was a great storyteller. I mm. think he was one of the the last great storytellers that I can remember for some time who fit into that WWE style of storytelling. Mm. Think back on some of the great, sto- real story-focused match- matches that he had in WWE, and he was awesome. I think the last person there who can do that now is probably Brian, if mm. anything, mm. AJ to an extent. But I think Punk was especially great at doing it. Yeah, definitely. And again... You know, I'm just I'm just bitter because I wanted to open this podcast with some AFI, put some Miziera Cantera on, but <laughs> sadly it hasn't happened, Joe. But you know, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, we should we should move on because uh, we're deep into the podcast. And there's lots to talk about, but you know, this was part of a, a big wrestling weekend, lads. I'll say it now on the record. Massively regret it. Uh, I can't believe I didn't make the trip in the end. Uh, it was a oh. combination of money and other factors, and uh, I just co- I just couldn't make it work last minute, unfortunately. But I'll be honest, like considering coming down, like I was, I think I said this on Twitter on th- Friday when I first when I looked at that your call card, I was thinking to myself, you know, I know the New Japan. Uh, experience in the copper box and we'll talk about it in a minute turned out incredible it looked incredible but i was kind of thinking ah big arena six to seven thousand people maybe not my thing but looking at that york hall show i was like you know what i'd love to be in that crowd for this show and i don't know as results came in (laughs) as reports came in i I maybe regretted it a little bit less i think maybe the big thing was i saw the a picture of the bar queue and my god like i've only been i've been to york hall twice with you guys and Somebody needs to do something about that bar. Uh, it looked awful. Uh, it looked like, to be honest, there were too many people in the building. Uh, I mean, what was it like as a as a live experience there in your call? And yeah, there were lots of uh, lots of grumbling uh, online about the show. Um, didn't hear much of it from uh, from your corner, but yeah, what what do you make of the show in general? And uh, how was it as an experience down uh, in your call on uh, on Friday night? It was kind of a strange experience because when things went wrong. It went fucking wrong. There's a lot of bad luck. There was like, yeah, yeah, there were just things that were just like, oh my God, that's awful. And then you've kind of just got to try and move past it. In terms of the main event, I'm nowhere near as down on it as others. I get some of the criticisms. I think it was too long. Um, it was as packed a York Hall show as I've seen in a while. Like it felt like... Osprey Pat was as packed. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but the other thing uh, um, is you mentioned about like the queue for the drinks. It's just the point of like, well, there's no point going. Yeah. It was. I only went towards the end of the second half when it completely died down. Wait, but it was just like an drink selection there. Have they still got that one queue for cards and one queue for cash? And then when you get there, all they've got is Carling. Is, is that the situation again? Don't know. I didn't buy a drink. Oh, you know it what? It was I've, one of those. I think I bought a drink in York Hall once, and I've been to all but one York Hall show. So it tells you about what a cheapskate and snob I am when I'm in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What did you go but for, was, I ended up having, I think I ended up having recording or something like that. I only had like one can and that, so I was all right. It just effectively, it was one of these things where like the show itself, there was a kind of, you know, somewhat compelling because it was a bit of a wild show in hindsight. I'm absolutely fascinated to see what this is like if it comes out on VOD and I imagine it has. We'll see one day. Yeah, because there's a couple of bits in this that are going to need to be looked back and seeing what exactly happened there. So, uh, yeah, results-wise, it was and it was it was also it was just too long. Started at half past six, and it was finished at just after eleven. Just after eleven, and it was very very hot. It was like a really humid evening as well, so it was really sweltering inside um, your course. Was, whenever there was a break, it was like run straight outside, straight to get a can of soft drink from the news agents around the corner it was like right yeah a bit too much <laughs> I laughing that's just quite I don't know mm. you just made me laugh. I, had, I had a ginger beer out of, oh, in okay. case you were curious what brand of ginger beer yeah. uh, old Jamaica oh, old okay. school good, you good, like good your Caribbean beer. soft drinks I really do yeah, yeah. got three cans of, I might have a can of ting in a minute yeah, treat yourself yeah, exactly like Why a nice not? can of white oh it's awesome yeah exactly Get get some across to him at some point. He'd love a bit of that. Um, <laughs> way love but, but as a show, uh, he, I mean, God, talk about polarizing. Like, there's a there's a bit in this for everyone. You know, yeah. you you want a main event that completely divides? Check. Like, you get the New Japan influence, like kind of there heavily there all over the place. Check. Um, inexplicable kind of botch spot leading to injury. Check. Bodum acting the prick again, check. It was like all of the stuff that you kind of would expect from like a York Hall show were were pretty much there with a bit more added Young Lions. Um, yeah, you were happy with that, weren't you? I was. I was, I was pleased with that. Uh, honestly, I think as a show, <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was with it, but it was such a weird show. The crowd were hot throughout. It was like the hottest York Hall crowd I can remember in a good while. Yeah. The cr- they never lost the crowd the entire night, which I found interesting. And there was a lot of energy in the room, and it was lively. Mm. And I think mean, as a result of that, I was into most stuff. Yeah, there was some spectacular bad luck on the night, and there were a few fuck-ups as well. But it's a show that I'll certainly remember, and it was a mm. notable show. Um, I thought that the first half was one of the most odd first halves of a Rev Pro show ever. Mm. So, you know, Young Lions match with the LA Dojo fellas in there and some of the Rev Pro young boys. Yeah. They you, shouldn't have won the LA Dojo, lads. I wasn't happy about that. Oh, come on. It, it, ah, whatever. <laughs> you couldn't give a shit it, about it, that. A, I know, oh, I know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Kidd and Sean Jackson, I thought, had a pretty fine match for mm. what it was. Um, Rob Lice and CK Cooper was odd they worked hard but the result was weird and it didn't really make a lot of sense to me um then we had this cck match 
where something happened. Gresham got injured. MK McKinnon did not look happy with himself. Chris Brooks didn't look happy, and I got why. And he repeated a spot, didn't he? Which yeah, is the, it just straight away. And he felt this. They basically tried to do a like a poetry in motion Hardy Boys style yep. spot, didn't they? In the corner, they tried it twice, and MK McKinnon slipped twice and ended up injuring Jonathan Gresham. MK McKinnon then wasn't on the cockpit on Sunday, and it felt to me like the card had been changed around. He possibly dropped off, which I found very interesting. He's fucking um, shanked so, him, he? he shouldn't be on the cards. He's awful. Like, I, I don't. I don't know. I'd say I've seen him have all right stuff, mate. Like <sighs> I, I don't think he's he's a bit shindy. He's not on that's the level. For sure. Come on, he's not. He's not. No, a, like, no. He shouldn't be at this point, should he? He, he should be working Fightful Pro and whatever other Midlands indie. Uh, he's not a guy yeah, who should be trying to get behind. Mm. Yeah, no, I get. I get that. I get what you're saying. I didn't think him just trying to get Maloney over in this tag team was the worst move. But yeah, it didn't work, hmm. basically, and it ended up prematurely. Uh, we got this six man that was pretty wild um, that Sonada ended up being the mystery man for, which uh, oh. people weren't mad for. Um, I can't <laughs> he say. He did I even cared. less than usual. He like appeared four <laughs> times in this match and won it. it and at that point, I just remember walk like at that point I was in where I was like lazy gobshite and then walked off. I thought Robbie Eagle, Robbie Eagles was awesome in this. I thought. Oh no, everyone. Else. Senza Volto S- got over. Senza Volto is someone to keep an eye on, and hopefully he's going to be work- working a lot more throughout the UK. Because like, have you heard of seen Senza Volto before? Uh, yeah, I can't think where I've seen him. He's not yes, the... you have, Benno. That wild freeway at wrestling Deutschland in 2018. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Like, I feel like yeah. I've seen him since, though. Has he done anything else, anything else on, on this side of the world? Has he done Red Pro before? I think Red he's Pro done and stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think where so. I've seen him. But yeah, yeah right. I do remember well, that nutty placed. freeway. Yeah. It, 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 and it was the first time I'd seen him since the mad freeway, and mm. he's still mad, and I hope he keeps it up. And let's hope we don't get a no-deal Brexit because I want to see him over here more and that might become harder uh, if we get a no-deal Brexit. So, yeah, let's uh, hope the sense of Alto's sake and many others and the country, <laughs> but that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, more bad luck continued after that match as well, didn't it? Yeah. With the tag title. Well, no, the tag title match, the um, final of the Road to Royal Quest tournament. Mm. Yeah, what do you think of this one? Well, this one was for a start. We um, had a bo- it had a botch finish. Mm. There was um, effectively it was like a cutter off the off the ropes from Carl Fletcher while Davis held him up, which has never been a. Finish. It was one of their usual moves they do midway for a match for a near fall. Yeah, and it appeared to be the the ref counted three, and then and then they sort of just went along with it, and then that was the end to it. To which point, um, Josh Bowden beat the shit out of the referee um, as Aussie Open kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Legitimately. Yeah, mm. I, I had a great view of this from where I was. I say great. It wasn't a nice moment to watch. And no. he teed off on that ref in a big way, yeah. like went to town on him. Like the ref fucked up. Uh, I get why he was pissed off, especially in a yeah. match that this match was going really well at this point. I was really into this match. Yeah, yeah. I've loved this feud. I think there's something unique about the styles clash Tension between, between Bodum and Davis as well. Oh, mm. that's that's been going on for like yeah. this whole feud. 
But this is what I'll say. I think Bodum's an absolute prick. I think what he did to that referee is not cool on any level whatsoever. What I'll say about the match and mm. what I'll say about the feud is the fact that there is some spikiness mm. and the fact that these guys aren't mates, I think, gives this something and it's made it stand out and I've got into it as a result. The, one of the things I really miss in wrestling, and I said it earlier, proper hate-filled brawls mm. and consistent brawling, not moments of brawling in matches. It's something I'd love to see come back. The last consistent sort of memory I have happening regularly was Ring of Honor during the CZW Ring of Honor feud where we had some amazing brawls during that and this just isn't something that we see a lot of anymore I think Jimmy Jacobs BJ Whitmer that feud great brawls Bodum is a cunt and clearly he's hard to work with yeah. and clearly he's laying it in and they're laying it in as a result of it as well fucking hell is it entertaining and my god does it raise the tension in the room and give you a different feeling to anything else that happens give me Bodum and Shah Samuels against Aussie Open to have to watch bloody CCK against Aussie Open any day of the week because you get a different flavour to what we usually get in British wrestling was Bodum on the cockpit on the Sunday was he off that show too he was on the cockpit as well he fed Dan Maloney oh right Um, he did say yeah yeah yeah, that match was like, uh, Kieran said, mate, Kieran said this, it was like two fellas outside Oceana having a ruck on a Friday night, that match. <laughs> Surprised, like, if he did legitimately beat up the ref that, like, the, I don't know, like, oh, I, 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 I like him too, yeah. but he is the, he is a piece of shit, <laughs> like, they just seem like yeah. both in there's no way, There's no way around it, yeah. he is. This is what happens, like, though, when WWE steal all your referees, maybe they've got sympathy with him, uh, there's no well, one left. And I mean, like, there's no kind of element of justification. If you fuck up any job, you don't have to have the shit beaten out of you. Yeah, yeah it was it was not called for at all. Like, like having a go at the ref, having words of him, showing that you're pissed off as well. Yeah, Shah did a good job of picking up the mic and saying, like, Rev Pro management are holding us down. Conspiracy. They want, yeah, they want Aussie Open this bloody final. We've been screwed. And you spoke to Shah Samuels mm. the next day about this, didn't you? Yeah, re- still really unhappy about it said it was meant to go like another 10 minutes or so and it didn't and that you know he was again like not happy about the referees and saying that WWE have signed up a lot of the referees which when we talk about NXT UK takeover it was a bit like oh that this is Chris Roberts doing this much a platter of referees wasn't it more referees (laughs) and shake a big bloody stick at it was incredible Oh. And in this case, it's, you know, it's young guys. And we'd seen this guy in, in Riptide before. I believe he's done Future Shock. He's done other places. He was also, this referee, he was able to referee the um, Suzuki Gun versus Akada Tanahashi match. He was trusted with that. And he obviously absolute fine. It's just that Bowden, don't get me wrong, as a wrestler, obviously talented, has the physique. It's absolute fucking shite of a human being, really. <laughs> Wow. There's no getting away with it. He's just, he is. Sorry, I mean, call him as he is. He's a cunt. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. And there are enough stories that we've all kind of heard of various things over the year. And think about the fact he doesn't get bookings anywhere else. Anywhere else. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and you just get to the point of like, why is this bloke around? Like, I mean, to a degree, like, it's. I always think, always think. I don't want like, to see Rev Pro stop booking it. No, as someone who goes to Rev Pro shows regularly, in terms of having like the highlights, serious words with him, 
No, I mean, but what difference does it make? I think it's happened before. Yeah. Think about what he tried to do to Honma. I always think of Honma chopping him in the throat and him spewing all uh, over That didn't make him learn his lesson. Like, he is out no. of control. He's a bit of a loose cannon. And what did he, he try and do to, to Honma? I don't know. Something happened with Honma and Honma chopped him in the throat. And he oh. started spewing outside the matches some wolf. I think he was stiff in Honma, and Honma was like, "You're <laughs> a fucking idiot." Oh. <laughs> I know. Which, to a degree, if we could see Bowden versus Ishii, I've this happened. Where was that? Uh, happened on a, the Osprey Vader show. I oh, think. did it? Yeah, it happened on a York Hall show in 2016. Go back and have a look at that. So I've been very curious to see if he tried that. It was a good match at the time. I think it would be probably better now. Yeah. But yeah, the guy is an utter dick the problem is I don't think and he's too much of a dick but this is going to sound awful I like an element of dickishness in wrestlers wrestlers are too nice these days and that is cool that everyone gets on and everyone cooperates Mm. but I I want people to be bigger dicks in the ring in terms of showing there are degrees aren't there there are degrees example on the cockpit show there was probably one of the worst cockpit shows I've ever been to painfully average show just not good there was an Aussie Open CCK match that I just hated I absolutely hated it like you've got four guys in there and they've all got schadenfreude on their gear they're facing each other Davis and Brooks are trying to show that they dislike Hmm. one another it's like hold on (laughs) <laughs> Why did Aussie Open wear gear to the ring yeah. that had Schadenfreude on? Because it was on their ring jackets. Just don't wear your ring jacket to the ring. Mm. Then all of these kind of like, I don't know, um, I get validation at the merch table fans start being like, oh my God, I can't believe these four guys are facing each other. Oh, it's Schadenfreude. A chance of stuff like, oh, we're very conflicted. Like, Give over. Like, this is the type of stuff I hate in wrestling, where it's like some, like, I don't know, get together a mate to the ring to have a good old wrestle, and the fans are so, I don't know, on board with this get together of their mates from the merch table that they're going to make these stupid chants that kind of hint it insider rubbish. And yeah, obviously, insider stuff is going to be mentioned, but Bodum is an utter dick, but I want more edge to wrestlers i don't want wrestlers to act as if they're fan they're friends with the fans mark davis was smiling at these fans when they were chanting this very conflicted stuff and playing along with it and you're thinking mate you were a new japan show last night you're above this stuff at this point go with it rather than stooping down to i don't know the tuesday night graps level which yeah carry on doing it that's fine but come on get full on with this new japan stuff Anyway, I'm a big Josh Bowden fan as a wrestler. <laughs> the guy's a dick. I would mm. miss him if he wasn't on Rev Pro shows, but he needs to sort it the fuck out, but I don't think he will, unfortunately. And yeah. wrestlers occasionally need to show a bit of edge because everyone's too nice. Definitely. How uh, were the big matches on the show? Uh, El Fantasma or Michael Oku? Really good. That was really good. There was a probably it was a bit too slow at the start. There was a too much sort of the the sort of phantasmo stalling stuff, not sort of wanting to engage with it. But when it kicked in, it was great. And when watching it, it was like the feeling I had is is the this Oku run is kind of what they wanted to have happen with Curtis Chapman, but kind of never really yeah never really took place. But Oku here, it was it was perfectly designed. Like his offense is kind of so scrappy, it fits really with his character of that sort of like sort of come from underneath, uh, 
complete um, baby face character. Well, that bit of inexperience, the fact he's yeah. not fully polished, it's, it, it's good. It kind of adds to it, yeah. yeah. You've seen him grow and develop in the ring. And in this, in terms of his personality, in terms of how he connected with that crowd, it worked. It completely worked for him. He's someone who really could just benefit from having these next couple of years really just working everywhere all over um, Europe, if he can just get to doing that. Because he's going to develop so much in that time, and obviously his frame will fill out in that mm. time as well. Because yeah. that, that's one of the things. But then he's so young, you kind of think, well, you know, you see, we saw it happen with Carl Fletcher, and it would have seemed wacky at the time. He'd be as stacked as he is now. He's so charismatic, mm. and he's there's a connection with the crowd. Yeah. Mm. And he's only appeared on one other York Hall show before, I think, maybe mm. two. And he's got that connection already. He's been working two years. I know. He's this good after two years in. And he's getting on York All shows two years in in prominent positions. Like, this guy's going to be a star if he carries on in the right way. And I think this is a long-term story that Rev Pro need to tell with him eventually yeah. getting that belt because they've got something with him and they've got something there. One thing I do worry about is at the cockpit, he did cut a promo where he said that... Wrestling has always helped him in his darkest times. Uh, when he's feeling down, you used to stick the TV on, you see Randy Orton posing oh. the rose. Oh, no. Showing your age. And <laughs> if young. you're saying that, <sighs> if WWE come and call him. Yep. Nah. That's exactly my worry. Uh, he's got to be next on on the three mates list to recommend to Regal. Uh, I really hope, yeah, we get more than two York Hall shows. I remember we get a proper run for him on the Indies because... You know, we've said that a million times, but he's the type of wrestler who really, really would benefit from it rather than being an A kid. Massively. Being thrown on NXT UK TV and teaming up with the, the other jobbers. Look, he could be putting he could be putting dinner on Andy Quilden's dinner table. So if Andy invites him round for dinner, they have a cracking slap up meal together <laughs> and he keeps him on board for a while because they're on to something with Oku. It'd be a massive shame to see him go. Um he was very loud with the crowd, considering his lack of York Hall experience. I think that pack match actually got some serious traction mm. uh, amongst fans as well, and good on him. And I hope this continues. Definitely. Uh, I was the uh, the tag then Tanahashi and Okada against Suzuki Goon. Like I was, uh, th- that looked like that looked like a match. It was fun to be live in the building for more than one yeah, that was. I should be looking out for on VOD. Is that kind of the right take? That's pretty much it. You've seen this match. We've seen this match, and it's always a great match because you've got four absolute pros in there who are all over with this audience. At this point, I managed to find a seat, sit down watching it, and it just felt like a really easy watch. Tanahashi was like working a lot more than I thought but he I would thought do. They all were. Yeah, they were all like really into it as well. Um, the crowd was so loud for this yeah. as well. Like yeah. it, it really. Throughout the night, I think the energy was consistent, and this was kind of mm-hmm. probably the peak of it, if you ask me. Like, yeah, they got the biggest re- that you know Tanahashi and Okada have been at York all before. This is the most over they've ever been. Like, you can sort of tell how many more people in those buildings have watched New Japan in that time since they were last there. Mm. And yeah, it was it was great to see these guys in this sort of building at this stage. If mm. anything. Um, yeah, just a really fun match. I think they kind of channeled um, uh, Sabre beating, uh, sorry, Sabre losing the belt the next night by having to get the full on Tanahashi. It, straight away, I was like, right, Tanahashi's winning tomorrow. Um, nothing wrong with that. 
it was a really fun match to be there for. Benno, you missed out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think seeing, seeing Tanahashi and Okada, where you stood on the wall at the back, uh, I could just picture it. Like seeing no, the balcony. Oh, battle the balcony boys this time. Yeah, they weren't letting anyone stand over by that side, and the back bit was particularly busy. And I was mm. stood next to, to Will Cooling and Ben Owens most of the night, who were a couple of tall lads as well, so they were mm. able to easily see. So even then, it was a little bit of a struggle. Mm. But um, there was a point you sit down and, you know, you're just sort of watching a master in action. Masters, masters in action, yeah, definitely. Uh, Anything more on Osprey Star then? There's a match or anything like? Oh, right. I I think this match. Oh, sorry. Hmm. Go on. Uh, Go on, Ben. What were you going to say? I was going to say, do you worry? Do you worry about the result of it, David Star? He can't be gone, right? Because if he's gone, who's left? (laughs) it's what an odd story to book, though, when they are lacking top guys, like. I don't know. I, I, it concerned me. I, I think in being in there with Osprey, who's you know a, a new Japan champion, I think probably going in, and we maybe mentioned that on the preview, going in start always gonna, was going to have to lose. But yeah, worries me a little bit if we even if we go a few <coughs> weeks or a few months without start to to sell the story. That's a that's a gaping hole in a in a row pro that's also going to be losing. I'll probably going to lo- lose an El Fantasma as a regular. Um, Aussie Open might disappear to mm-hmm. tag league. A little bit worrying. And th- there was a gaping hole on that cockpit show, and he wasn't there as mm-hmm. well on that Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. is. I, I I didn't get this. I kind of convinced myself. Yeah, I so. The shenanigans and stuff were kind of expected. They're expect even if you're not following the Ref Pro storylines, the fact that you've kind of got the promoter but beside Will Ospreay and they're talking for a match for complete control of the company, you you know that that's the kind of match that's teasing towards shenanigans and stuff going on. Um, it was too long to get to that point, and it it was kind of it got very very silly mm. as well, but it didn't. I was not upset by it by others. I just found myself sort of openly laughing about it more than anything else, especially the bit where, and it's difficult to kind of explain what exactly happened. What was it? The the ref was knocked down and then Shea Persa came out and then Shea Persa was knocked down and Andy Quilden came out. <laughs> and He looked a bit Mrs. Dad. W- well, there was, it was funny because he was going to stand. Uh, David Starr was about to he'd spit in his hand, wiped it on the bottom of his shoes, about to stand on the junior heavyweight title. But Andy took him out before uh, he oh, that was get hit. around to doing that, that which was, was hysterical. The way he pushed him was... Then he did his stance, his fighting stance. Uh, look, it was great. Was Mrs., yeah, his yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Dad, Dad stuff. This was great slapstick comedy. Like, right. Yes. I think as a match... I think it's got this mass overreaction from a tiny minority of, of a few voices who are there live and really overreacted to it, really overreacted to it. I sort of wonder how much the story has been followed because this was a mm. match that was always going to have wild shenanigans. This was not designed to be a match of the year candidate, but at the same time it was almost like it was teased when the match started as a match of the year tight match with the way they were wrestling so maybe it did confuse what you know people were thinking they were going to get from this match now 
the whole feud has been based around Star and Quilden and a bit of Roberts and a bit of Shea Purser. Mm. I'm convinced that if Chris Roberts hadn't gone, he was going to be involved more in this mm. match and there were going to be lots of the spots that Quilden was doing that were going to be probably based around Roberts and Quilden ended up doing them because Roberts wasn't there. Mm. Now, half an hour or more before the shenanigans started was too long. The match, as a match, oh. was excellent. I've got to say, it was really good. There was chemistry between Star and Osprey, and I hope this isn't the last time they ever wrestle because mm. I think they do have a they do have a classic in them potentially. Yeah, but there was always going to be shenanigans, and to get that annoyed by the shenanigans and to overlook the fact that they were always going to be there, I think shows a bit of a misunderstanding of what this story was, if anything. Mm. Although I was seeing that a lot of people complaining that it was the shenanigans kind of made the earlier part of the match redundant. I think that was uh, one of the arguments. Yeah, them. I sort of, I sort of get that. Mm but they were still always going to be there. Oh, yeah. I think that you needed to get In to the shenanigans kind of format as well. after 15 minutes, maybe, yeah. maybe less, not over half an hour. And that did... Especially con- a really long show as well yeah. to that point. That did confuse things a little bit. I get that. But at the same time, you know what? I thought the Quilden stuff was fucking hilarious. <laughs> watching him in a fighting star, standing up to David Starr, watching David Starr chasing <laughs> around the ring. That was like that bit in, the, in Only Fools and Horses where Rodney chases after that guy who robs that old lady's handbag. He gets to them <laughs> garages. The guy looks at him. I said to my brother, this is going to be like the Rodney bit in Only Fools and Horses. And it bloody was. And I was pissing myself. Watching Quilden with his shirt half untucked, running away from Starr, watching him, I don't it know, threaten Starr. It, oh, I thought it was I thought it was comedy gold. It was like Quilden doing his best impression of Shane McMahon in many ways, without the great punches. To, to play devil's advocate, though, should that be in? The, I mean, you described it as slapstick. Should that be in the main events? I, I mean, I know it made sense for the story, but they did book this story. They didn't have to book this story in this way. I mean, and the other thing as well, like I, I can get people not getting it too because. They've been telling this story, what, on cockpit shows? The, how many mm. people see those cockpit shows? It's it's the people on the building, isn't it? And they're late on VOD these days. And when they do get on yeah, VOD, they is watch it. Yeah. I can forgive it. I can, I, can, I can see that that point of view. I mean, could, did you not think that at all, that maybe slapstick in a main event maybe wasn't the, the thing to do on a big weekend like this? Well, this was the thing. I think I enjoyed it when it happened. And then when we've ended up talking about it, there's been like this element of kind of like this fear of what's happening a bit with, with Rev Pro at, at the moment. And I know, especially after the cockpit Joe, uh, cockpit show, Joe was, was like kind of like, right, where is this going? I was okay with necessarily the, the that kind of comedic part. I thought I wasn't a fan of the actual ending itself. That wasn't yeah, I think that's the. I think that is an issue, and that is an issue. And then, like, like you say, you've got the one, the one really charismatic performer who is pretty much his whole character is not signing to a promotion. But yeah, he's, but yeah, no, he's, he's obviously, he's obviously going to be there. But I don't know. I, is it going to be sort of same old, same old Rev Pro though? That's the only thing with the, this. The thing that I was seeing as well was a lot of people saying, and I, I get where you're coming from, Ben, over being this big main event and all the rest of it, but it is the culmination of a big story. Yeah, people aren't necessarily watching Rev Pro in that way, but maybe, I don't know, sort of understanding what the story was beforehand would would have been a good thing. They should have probably mm. showed a video package before. Yeah. How many times have we said that? Yeah. Yeah. Get that across. Shows. 
in the building and oh, it would yeah. probably put expectations at a more realistic level of what this match was going to be. I also think selecting Osprey for the match was probably the wrong guy. I think I, he probably wasn't available. Someone like Marty would have been mm. perfect to make his big comeback here. The other thing I'd say as well is I saw a lot of like the dream factory is dead. Like, come on. Like the Rev Pro main events for years were built around shenanigans. Marty's entire title reign, which had some great matches, was built around shenanigans. The Colt Cabana match, the Martin Stone match, the Kevin Steen match. It was built around revolutionist shenanigans, basically. Um, The Vader Osprey match was a shenanigans based spectacle. Bloody loved it. Yeah, okay, in that time, they maybe haven't done the shenanigans stuff as much, but they've not been a promotion that's been free of this shenanigans stuff over the years. So I think to to put that towards them as a criticism is kind of showing a bit of a short sort of short side history of the promotion, if anything. Fair enough. I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, and kind of developing my own take on it because, yeah, like I say, I mentioned that on BWE, you guys and Willa, that the high men on it and pretty much everyone else to a man didn't enjoy it. Um, and it does mm-hmm. include a lot of people whose opinion I would very much respect and usually I, agree with. So, yeah. yeah. I had a good conversation with Rob Reed about it um, after Royal Quest and we were walking down the road and it was like, actually, and he was saying, you know, that first half an hour I was loving it. I, you know, same here. And then he, his feeling was that last sort of ten minutes went sort of so OTT for him that he kind of ended up losing what initially that he really liked about it. I think now, with the benefit of hindsight, having heard sort of overall the overall weekend that that Red Pro have had, um, it it makes me worried about where they are, and it's a kind of different type of worry to what I have about progress because I think there's the element of this entire dealing with. NXT UK and everything else appears to have just kind of, I think it's really taken out of Andy Quilden. Yeah, I think it's beating him down. Quite I think it's a bit. really beating him yeah. down, and that's why I suppose it's I'm a bit more naturally sympathetic towards him because of it, because he's having a you know a corporation at times have got a managed to snap up a lot of talent that he was regularly using, and it's and it's left him at a loose end. I know there's been time for it, and I think as a result, the kind of the some of the booking as as kind of slacked off at times. VOD, in terms of the star the development, the VOD, the promote the website, the mm. tickets. The fact they're not the, doing a podcast anymore as podcast, well. It's, all of these things make me worried. Mm. And this wouldn't be a good thing because if if something happened to Rev Pro, and I hope that it doesn't, but if something happened to it, that's like we said with Defiant when it died, well, there was the whole sort of issue with the monetization on YouTube as, as being one of the reasons. If something happened to Rev Pro, it, you could pretty much trace it back to sort of the, the development of NXT UK mm. and what's happened around WWE UK. That will have been the point where you've gone, right, there's a promotion they didn't want anyone to work for from the beginning and has you know, managed to take up, you know, all a lot of other kind of ancillary figures as well. And as a direct result, they themselves have been hit somewhat it's, the hardest as a result. It's pushed them more and more into the arms of New Japan, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was like a criticism we all mm-hmm. had years ago that maybe they rely a little bit too much on it. And how they can't do anything, but they have to go with, you know, we're about to talk. Spoilers for what we're about to talk about. They have to put a belt on Tanahashi. They have to, you know, Royal Quest, 
felt very much, and I heard reports, and you guys will probably back it up of you know Andy Quilder being very, very involved in uh, in the production of the show and Rev Pro's production. Their, their staff in general being very involved in the show probably one of the biggest money makers they'll make this year if, if that's true they're kind of because of that they've been cho- they've been kind of forced to lead even more to you know go with the the devil you know uh instead like i just wanted the reference that you know that uh, our friend mark buckledy uh, monkey buckles put on twitter today he was trying to figure out like who's gonna you know, with all these guys gone and the whole WWE thing and them losing wrestlers, like who's going to step into like the, the big shoes in, in RevPro? If David Starr's gone for a while, if El Fantasma's gone for a while. So he's trying to mm. work out like, who would you guess has worked there? You're probably the best man to guess, Joe. Who do you reckon's worked the most RevPro matches this year in 2019? The most matches in 2019? Mm. Fuck. Um, let me have a think. Curtis Chapman. Josh Bodum. He's on 22. Samuels is 20, but Chapman's on 19. Davis, Fletcher, McGee, and Romo, 18. A-Kid, 17. Then you got Brooks McKinnon, El Fantasmo, Star on 15. Uh, Michael Oku and Brendan White. Uh, that's kind of your list. Out of those guys, who's who, who steps up at this point? Or maybe that, maybe that explains why uh, they've got a different way. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. It's a difficult time at the moment. Yeah, I, I think they're just a bit lost, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Thinking about a main event in the next York Hall show, nothing immediately comes to mind. Mm. You can usually almost predict what's going to come next, if anything. And but maybe someone with star. Who knows? Yeah, it does all seem like it's a bit of a mm. bit up in the air, bit of a mystery at the moment. I think one of the other things that's going to hit them as well. I think they're going to see a fall in season ticket sales to cockpit next year as well mm. and that's a big part of where that kind of hardcore support element is of the promotion and if that starts eroding as well like yeah worrying times to be honest mm. Definitely. Um, do you want to mention briefly the cockpit show now George should we go into Royal Quest um, I'll just mention it now there's not a lot to say to be honest with you um, it wasn't a very good show Um it was very average. David Starr wasn't there. Um, the New Japan stuff that was almost promised for this match with the increased ticket price at twenty seven fifty ended up being Sonada, which, okay, he's the next challenger for the IWGP heavyweight title. That's kind of cool seeing that challenger in a 200-seater venue in central London. At the same time, he was also the surprise at York Hall on the Friday as well. Mm. Um, it it was a little bit disappointing. I don't really care for Sonada. <laughs> so I was just like, ah, great. Um, yeah, I sound spoiled, don't I? I really do. Um, but if I thought we were going to get a Tanahashi coming in with a belt, I was gonna say- not necessarily wrestling, but coming in as new champion, possibly making an yeah. appearance, maybe Suzuki, maybe Ishii, even someone who was that sort of established Rev Pro star. You know, Sonada got a great reaction. So people loved it. He mm. faced Mike Bailey. It's one of the worst. Mike, I think it might be the worst Mike Bailey match I've ever seen. It wasn't a bad match, but it was a pretty forgettable match. And Sonata didn't do a lot, whereas Bailey was working his ass off. And when was the last time you felt disappointed by a Mike Bailey match? Because I never have felt disappointed by one of his matches ever. Yeah. He's a great wrestler who's entirely consistent. Um, I wasn't into it. Um, I mentioned earlier that Aussie Open match against CCK, which I just absolutely hated. 
I honestly, it one of the matches. It wasn't a bad match by any means, but it was just the approach of the wrestlers um, having a wink and a nod to the crowd, and almost being too insidery and too too sort of friendly with the crowd. Like, I hope they got a few bloody t-shirt sales oh, out of this will. because it works for them. I'll tell you it? what, mate. I felt like I was watching. You know, there were the four guys in the ring. CCK with Kid Lycos on the outside. So kind of five guys out there. I felt like I was watching four professional t-shirt salesmen and Jonathan Gresham, if anything. <laughs> and I like Aussie Open. I do. But I really think they need to step it up again. They need to get rid of the shindy gear. They need to sort that look out. And they need to stop doing this wink nudge to the audience, come buy our t-shirt stuff. Because mm. I'm fed up with these fans who just get their validation out of having chats with wrestlers at merch tables because ah, oh, it, it just creates this atmosphere where they're cheering for the wrestler because they were nice to them at a merch table. Does that make you over? Is that what being over is? I don't know. JP used to uh, well, talk to Matt Riddle about all sorts <laughs> and sometimes he get free t-shirts or sometimes he exchange product, products for free t-shirts as well. <laughs> and this didn't make JP start like waving to Matt Riddle or doing silly chants about Matt Riddle. JP watched the match and got into the match like any normal fan would who'd had a cracking conversation with a great man like Matt Riddle. And honestly, this culture of, oh, he's like a bit of a mate of mine is that Kyle Fletcher because like we had a little chat earlier and like he's really nice to me. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to follow that. The wrestlers aren't your friends. They're not your friends. Like they, you may, they may be nice at the merch table. They're working you. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and they do it well. To be fair, like I say, to a certain level, to a certain level of like, you know, they're they're making a lot of money. They're they're probably the most over people in Britres right now, and they're probably selling the most merch and making decent money off it. But I do get what you're saying. You know, if if Aussie Open are going to make that next step to being you know, actual worldwide stars and maybe get get a foot in the door with New Japan. This stuff is, is kind of not it, is it? Um, but, mm. yeah, didn't sound like a great Jojo on Sunday. I'm glad Gresham got there. I'm glad he turned up. Uh, I'm glad he was all right. I was going to text JP and just double-check that Gresham was all right, but uh, glad to hear he, uh, he made the recovery. Um, well, he was... You see, I wasn't there, so I'd, I'd, um, I'd sold my ticket to, to Will Cooling. He'd never been to the, to the cockpit before, and uh, I stayed there and watched an absolutely wild fucking North London derby. Which was, uh, <laughs> you made the right choice. Yeah, was, you know what? It was worth it because I got to meet Jay from EastEnders, who's yes, my mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're being wet, Joe. He's not your friend. I know. <laughs> if you can get me a spot on the EastEnders writing team sometime soon, I'll revive that show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have you two watching full time again once I'm but on the writing you, team. You'll okay. book it like it's a wrestling show. Exactly. That's what we had this exact conversation during All Out, didn't we? We did, the EastEnders sex. Prior to me meeting Jay from EastEnders, it was written in the stars. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Jay, if you're listening, have a word with the BBC and that writing team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Real quest, how about that? Let's <laughs> yes. talk about that. Fuck me, it's a stat weekend if we're this late in the show. Get Just get yeah. into Real Quest now, but... It was a crazy weekend. Uh, again, well, did you manage to see any of it? Fuck that's off, the, JP. That's the, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mean it in that way. But, no, uh, I, oh, I had a nightmare I, again. Yeah, hands up. 
should have made more of an effort to get down. Uh, I had the ticket waiting as well, and I still didn't do it. Dumb. Won't do it again. Um, but yeah, st- streaming problems are plenty for me at home. Uh, I'm glad I paid in fight books and not actual money, because yeah, I was tr- trying to watch, trying to get this thing streaming uh, while my mates uh, Matty and then we're trying to watch the Liverpool game, and it just wasn't happening. So we thought we'd leave it and watch the watch it afterwards on a bit of a delay, and the sound was fucked. It was stopping and starting and then it outright froze once we got to match three i basically saw the majority of it the morning after so wasn't a great experience for me but it looked like an incredible experience live it looked like a new japan show it apart from maybe the slightly dodgy ring and apart from maybe uh they could have maybe splashed out on maybe a ring announcer i don't know and not use those so many was it just the one rev pro ref they had uh, there as well that was kind of uh, chopping and changing yeah. for um yeah on the on the undercard i think they like had show, a couple on the undercard for that and then when it hit the substantial matches it was my asami and red shoes yeah so i was quite yeah i suppose you, it, it makes sense to bleed them at least they weren't wearing those rotten t-shirts that they had the uh, chris robertson on the uh, the Aldringham and uh, the milton Keynes show last year but yeah it looked every bit a new japan show the arena yeah. looked fantastic. I've heard from so many people. You know, the Ogden said they were second row from the back and they had an incredible view. Bill Cooling was saying he was in the cheap seats and he had an incredible view. Uh, yeah, very jealous guys. Looked like an, an incredible live experience to be there at Royal Quest. We were also second row from the back and had an incredible view. Wow. Uh, the, yeah. the sight lines of this place were some of the best I've ever experienced at a wrestling show. As far as arena wrestling goes, this was the most interesting show from a facility point of view I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, I think Madison Square Garden is probably the best arena I've ever watched wrestling. That's that's probably the sort of number one. You kind of expect it to be an MSG. This would be a close second, I've got to say. The amount of room that there was in this arena even though it's sold out, the lack of a queue at toilets, the lack of a queue at concession stands. Um, there was a bit of a queue at merch stands, but only a bit of a queue. Like Stuff got sorted very quickly. Hmm. It was sold out or close to sold out. And what were there, like six, 7,000 there, right? They announced 7,500 on there, I think. I, I'd, I'd have to check the capacity. I don't okay. know no, if it necessarily felt like that, but New Japan don't. Bullshit attendance figures. They haven't for a long time. Yeah, they haven't for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, I was well impressed of how this didn't feel overly cramped. You got in and out of the arena very easily. Mm. We had to walk around the arena during the Jay White match. <laughs> Why the hell not? Um, <laughs> and it was just so easy. Everywhere yeah. we stood, the sight lines were absolutely amazing. There was great sound in there. Yep. The acoustics were good. Like. I really hope New Japan make this a yearly trip over, and I hope that New Japan get an exclusivity deal on this building so those twats don't get in there anytime soon as well. Um, but I don't think they will because I think they'll have like the prestige of the O2 and Wembley and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a great arena to watch wrestling. And also, the arena looks like an arena that New Japan would run in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's got that aesthetic. There's mm-hmm. something about the image of it that was just quite unique and that that helped my enjoyment of the show because i looked down at the ring and i look it looked like you were in tokyo at a new japan show yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it what it really... looked like on the vod as well yeah that was my big t- i thought it was gonna feel like like i say those shows last year uh kind of like new japan wrestlers transported to another world that's not quite new japan but yeah apart from uh, the very english faces in the crowd it looked it did look like a new japan show 
Yeah, and it felt like one. And, you know, you, the authenticity was was pretty much there. There'd be some minor things like you mentioned about the about the ring necessarily, but that wasn't something you kind of took into it. What was, It was so wild that normally you walk into an arena and it's just like a real faff trying to get inside. And this wasn't. This was relatively straightforward. If you were looking for disabled access, you went literally in off the street, in through the doors, and there was a spot there that was, that was set. You know what that is? Oh no! Well, it's to do with the Paralympics, yeah, exactly. And, and that's the great thing about this as an arena is it's designed with kind of legacy in mind, exactly. So this is something actually we, I was in member um, in terms of the podcast I've I've, I've done and, and um, covering this show. Thinking of when we did this, I was looking at the, a lot of the copper box stuff. What they do for it? They use it for things like yoga and badminton. Like during the week, it has to be used a certain amount of times by like members of the local community. So it has to be open as like a sports facility as well, which is wild in this, you know, 8,000 seat arena. But everything is it's so economical because it is just a box with a middle row. And I was really surprised here about the technical problems because even though I couldn't really get a reception in there, where we were sat just underneath, it was like the big fight set up where they had the vision mixers up on there. And obviously they were making a pig's fucking ear of it. But um, but like it seemed to be like, oh, wow, this looks amazing. So I was really upset that some of this stuff didn't come through, particularly early early on. And of all the shows this weekend, this was, you know, I, and I'm obviously biased because I was there live. This was the show of the weekend for me by, by quite a way. Um, the undercard tags, there was a novelty to watching them. You knew what the role of them was. They felt within canon. It was what you'd expect watching on a New Japan show. Mm. So it gave you all of that. You had the Young Lions match at the start. Yeah, it was real like experience. The real, real experience. You know, proper refs. There was a Red Shoes chant. That quieted down quickly. The crowd were great. And obviously, we're not sh- you know not shy when saying that a crowd hasn't been great. But in this case, the crowd was there. Mm. Even, you know, we, we would always be critical of sort of the Bullet Club fans necessarily. That was okay. Do you know what? It added to the tag. Mm. It really did. It really, it really did. did. And it's an odd thing to say. Like, for me, the Gorillas of Destiny managed to kind of save two situations this weekend, um, which is a really odd one when when we get around to talking about the Ishii Kenta match. But really, how much of it did... Have you managed to see just sort of the big matches, Benno, as opposed to the, the early ones? I heard it was just a nightmare. Yeah, that's the thing. Even going back and watching the VOD, I believe it's on New Japan World now, which is a kick in the teeth for the people who paid 25 quid for it. Yeah. Uh, I think that version's better, but that's I rewatched... a lot. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I rewatched the fight version, which again, I got with my fight books. And yeah, the opening, the opening tags, it was just on and off the stream. Like the first two matches... There's no commentary, and then you can just hear Mr. Juicy Juicy Gambino on his own, um, replying to someone who you can't hear in Kevin Kelly. Uh, it was really, it was kind of the Osprey tag where it kind of settled down a little bit. Uh, again, mm. even trying to watch the replay. And then for the most part, on from there, it, it was all right when I, when I rewatched it the morning after. So I'd say I've seen it, uh, everything that, that's of note from it. Um but yeah, Kelly I'm, sounded like he was blaring at points of what I've seen on the VOD when I had a look on New Japan World. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely, definitely problems there. But you know, but by the time Andy Boy Simmons got out there, the uh, the sound was all rectified, so I was quite happy with that. Um, I mean, should we talk about the big matches first, and then we can kind of clean up on the rest? Uh, I mean, yeah. I suppose. 
Okada Suzuki, that thing looked like a like a once in a lifetime experience to be there live. The uh, you got to see the I know you've seen it before, haven't you? At the uh, at the Jay Wright qu- uh, crown in Joe uh, at uh, a super card of honor, the uh, the champions roll call video. Uh, but still, I was jealous oh. uh, of UJP getting to see it for the first time. There looked like the the biggest. The loudest I've ever heard uh, people chant for Suzuki and do the Kazunine. That was incredible. Uh, you got the proper mm-hmm. Okada entrance. And then, yeah, you guys and the rest of that crowd were utterly incredible uh, throughout the entire 40-odd minutes. It didn't feel like 40 minutes on VOD, and I no. bet it didn't live in person. It didn't at all. There was one point I looked along at the, the four of us between where we were sat between ourselves, Gareth and um, Joe's brother, Sam, and it was just point to seeing them completely transfixed in the match. And that's how it was. When that main event started, it finally, because this is the incredible thing, because the arena experience in and of itself was so good, it made it so much of an easy watch because you had this, everywhere was a brilliant view. Mm. So when you're watching this big main event in a serious arena, in a match that has stakes, completely captivated by it. And Suzuki is so fucking crazily over. There's a point where they're booing Okada spots when he's trying to get out of like the gotch pile driver and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's so, so good. Yeah, Suzuki is just a different level. Yeah, I've been grateful to see him so many times over as we have yeah. done. And this may end up being the kind of the last big sort of pinnacle of his career to Possibly. a certain degree, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't put it past him to have something on that because it's a shame that he's never won Look, if they, were, if they were ever going to put a bell on him, it would have yeah. been this match because he's so over yeah. in the UK and it felt like the right match to do in the UK, if anywhere. Mm. Like, his absolute dedication and understanding of how to wrestle mm. within that character that he never, ever betrays at any point when he's in an arena was just... Abs- it's just different level. I've never seen anyone quite like it live I don't mm. think you realise just what a great wrestler Minoru Suzuki is until you've seen him wrestle live if anything because I always liked him I don't think I had that full appreciation for him until he started coming over here mm. you see him in person and there's just this weird charisma it's force of nature isn't it because he's so intense oh. he's so unique he's so committed to what he is and it's hard not to admire there's just no one else like him in wrestling mm. who else could you really compare to suzuki who's a sort of a prominent kind of sort of featured level in wrestling right now i don't think there's anyone mm. and as a match ah oh, this was different level mm. i was this is one of the probably the best matches i think i've seen live and i i keep thinking about it like a couple of days later it's still playing on my mind that finishing sequence was one of the best finishing sequences I think I've ever seen in the match and certainly that I've ever seen live those teasers for the gotch were so so good that was tremendous some of the strikes that he was throwing during that final sequence Mm. as well some of the reversals there was almost like a difference in the way that they were constructed here to your usual kind of a Carter match if anything and that's not a slight on a Carter at all because those sequences work but Suzuki just gives you this intangible this ingredient that is so different to what anyone else can give you um and man this match is something I was I'm so glad I was there for yeah because yeah one of the best matches I've ever seen live one of the best matches I've seen this year I think Mm. yeah Yeah. 
I, I, it was one of those matches where I'd seen the live reports coming in because I didn't get, unfortunately, didn't get to see it until the day after in the end hmm. uh, with All Out to watch in the night as well. And because of the streaming problems, I ended up watching UK TakeOver uh, for my sins. Uh, but yeah, I watched it thinking, oh, maybe it'll be, be some live bias. And it was the opposite. It was the live crowd. In some ways, willing it to be as good as it was, but it was the incredible work. It was as good as as everybody said. Yeah. Uh, like, I absolutely love it. I went four and a half on Grapple. Uh, I don't know if you guys went any, high, went any higher with it. Being there live, it does always add something, but... I was I was into it and I wasn't falling asleep in the you know the opening twenty minutes like I can sometimes with Okada matches like you said Suzuki mm-hmm. was bossing that building um, as the heel yeah. you know amusing himself with chairs and stopping for photos and playing with his with playing with Okada and Okada doing his big comeback and then the incredible like you said the Joe the incredible strike exchanges where uh, he's get he's he's not even letting Okada die and he's picking him up and hitting him some more everything about it was just mm-hmm. so compelling. That it didn't feel like a forty-minute match at all, and it felt like yeah, one of those matches. Is that how long it was? Yeah, yeah. it was forty minutes. Uh, th- oh, was, it, was it forty? 30, thirty something, wasn't it? Was it thirty-four or something like that? Jeez. I want to say thirty-three because I think at the time we'd said it was it was started. And this is the other thing about this show: mm. the pacing. There was mm. no fucking about, by. and it absolutely flew by. But yeah, for it as well. What do you give it on one? Um, I went four and a half, but I think I might change it to 4.75. I think I went 4.75. I'm not sure if I've got around to doing it yet. It like, I kind of wanted to say five stars and in some ways, it's to mirror what, what Jamesy had said on, on BWE. Mm. If Suzuki had won, I think I would have thought that might have been like the kind of defining match that I ever would have seen in this country in terms of the stakes, but it didn't have that to it, which is, Mm. which is incredibly harsh to think of it. I really wanted him to hit that gotch, but at the same time I thought if he hits it, Akada kicks out. Cause I can't remember anyone ever kicking Mm. out of there. Akada is going to be the biggest heel in the building Mm. and that's not going to be a good thing. But that last tease of it, I was absolutely convinced. I was was biting on those. The way that they work, those spots around the pile driver, just phenomenal. Uh, Also, the way Suzuki times and throws into matches, sort of subtle kind of character sort of traits, but then will pull out something big and surprising, like say his drop kick mm. at a point in a match when you're least expecting it. Oh, he's just he's just an absolute master. Mm. Like different level performance for him. This might be I'm trying to think. The only other Suzuki performance I can think of that I put on a par with this, maybe those Tanahashi matches in 2012. Uh, like the one of the Dome. Yeah, and then they had the rematch in, I think, the October, the one without the um, near-fall attempts and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember the one I mean? Yep. Um, I did it win. I think I won the Observer match of the year. I think you did, yeah. But, yeah, I was just trying to think back. And, yeah, this has got to be possibly the greatest performance of his career, I think. Wow. Well, song yeah. praise, uh, and yeah. It, 51. It really is. <laughs> and also, we, we didn't mention it, but it's Summer Scissors, they'd done a sort of a little introduction with a contract signing. Oh, and Suzuki was and great And Suzuki was amazing well. during that, when he had mm. been separated from the Young Lions, who were trying to kind of dive in there without pissing him off, and he never <laughs> breaks eye contact with Okada. And it just sort of added to the whole aura. They were getting in each other's faces during this. It was just like... They both clearly love working with each other. Here's a left field take. Mark Davis in Suzuki Gun, so he stops doing stupid shite that makes him less of a star in my (laughs) eyes. See, I'll take it. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Yeah, why not? Learn off the best. Learn from Suzuki. Yeah. 
He could fit, yeah. He's not hanging around, is he? You know they're ended up in chaos. Uh, that, that's almost certainly happening, but I'd, I'd rather have that. Um, but yeah, great match. And it did, 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 did it feel, it sounded like when he lost as well, it sounded like an air was let out, in a good way, like an air was let out balloon. You could literally audibly hear people sigh, like people were that much into Suzuki. Was it Was it like that they're alive? Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was... People are booing Okada, when, like you said. They were, although at the very end of it, when he kind of did the speech and then he did um, and everything else, it wasn't like... It was just the fact that they loved Minoru Suzuki And wanted so to much. see a title yeah. change and, as well. Yeah, and to see that. And that and that was fine. And Okada kind of playing that kind of classic champ where it was like, got you so close, you were biting on those on those near falls and you're biting on, on on Suzuki trying to do the gotch. But, you know, ultimately it was kind of what you wanted from an Okada match in that sense. It was like being there for a classic, being there for a great IWGP world title match in and of itself felt really special. Awesome. Sorry, Ben. It feels like we're rubbing <laughs> it in at this point, aren't My we? My own fault. I'll be there next time. They've got to come back next year yeah. um, or sooner. Uh, oh, I think, I think it was Will. I saw say they should be they should be doing this twice a year. Uh, fill yeah. the copper box. Do a do a G one tour maybe. Do do something else at the start of the year. I'd be well up for it. Uh, yeah, I, I won't be missing the next time. Definitely, this was a, do you know a real thing. My suspicion is for next year, with G1 moving to the full, if they want to do the same weekend or a similar weekend, you start a G1 in Dallas this year, start G1 off at the Copper Box next year. Mm. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah, especially with the... the crowd will be stronger. Yeah, and they've got the Absolutely. problem with the Japanese uh, venues with the uh, with um, the Olympics going on. Would make sense. Well, yeah. they're, they're moving it to the full as a result of that, aren't but they, they? But so they've still, they still got to do shows during that period, haven't they? That's why I think they'll come over. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah, it could make sense. But, uh, I mean, the other big match on the night, uh, I was uh, I was Zach and Tan alive. Like I say, at home, we got Andy Boy Simmons on commentary, which was great. Uh, I just thought this was kind of just their, their typical... Great yes. Zach and Tanner match, not not a hugely notable one, kind of within their canon, but still very good. Uh, I gave it a four on Grapple. Uh, how about you guys live? I think I might well have gone four on this one. I mean, again, really enjoyable crowd, completely with it as well. Crowd split at certain points. That's what felt very heavily Zach Saber Junior. Did the um, fuck off Brexit and oh, that was great and. Was it fuck off Boris chance? Oh, did they come through loud, nice and loud? I hope. Oh yes, they did. I believe it was yeah, uh, it picked up by some media as well. I think Will had a had a good hand in that, making sure that got spread. Good. Our new statesman uh, picked up on it apparently. Yeah, right, I saw yeah. Will say something about that. Yeah, good work, Will Cooling. Well done. <laughs> um, but like you say, I think it was just the noble thing about this was the fact there was a title change mm. and the crowd really popped for the for the title change and Zach went backstage, you know, looking absolutely horrified, throwing things around. He was fantastic, like a toddler losing his temper. It was it was like oh, yeah. great stuff. And I just wish it'd been sort of like, you know, if you'd been close to the action, you would have had that in all its glory. But it was it was fantastic. But as a match, you've seen it. Mm. I've seen this twice live this year now. Mm. It's been good both times. It's not been outstanding either time. And it brings up a point as well of what we're saying about, you know, if anyone thinks, oh, you know, Zach Sabre Jr. is going to put Tanahashi over. He's been in, how long has this kind of on-off feud with Tanahashi been going? And just remembering that it's fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi is in the feud. Who said that? No, the idea, there were things about the idea of putting it on. 
I get it. I mean, I, you're losing to him. You but... put you put it on another New Japan guy, but it is like you say, it's Tanahashi. Mm. You got like, and and they're clearly setting up. I think they're setting up Tanner Osprey. I think that's that's the way they're going. That's uh, that's got to be the dome. I, yeah. I really, really hope they get Tanahashi for at least one appearance at a your call between now and the dome, because mm. that would be it would be annoying if he's not over at least once during that time for sort of one defense. But well, then what would have been the point? Yeah, he's got to. He's got to do one. What? What? What's the what? What big shows we got coming up before the end of the year? There's not one announced. There's none announced. There's none got on, cockpit yeah. shows in the calendar. That's it. Normally one in is it October? Uh, there's usually one in November, December. November. Yeah. yeah. If that happens, I'm coming. That's hold me to it. Um, but yeah, they've got to do that just to legitimise it. I think and have him have a proper defence over here and under a pro show, but. Again, if they're getting Tanner Ross, there's all we've already talked about it on the show, so I'm not going to repeat myself. But there is a gap at the top end of Rev Pro. Mm. Therefore, why not do this and have Tanner Osprey on Wrestle Kingdom? Like, uh, it's not it. It's maybe not the complete ideal, but it's not a bad thing to have altogether. Yeah, I think you've got to go with Tanner Osprey. I think it 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 would be a top four match on that card. It would completely cement Osprey. It would it would fulfil several different things all at the same time, mm. all all the while having it back on Osprey. And then I don't know, maybe you manoeuvre it off him reasonably quick. I don't know. God knows yeah. what's going to happen with Rev Pro at that point. But even if even if he didn't have the Rev Pro title, if you had Tanahashi versus Osprey at the Dome, I'd be into that. Definitely. I'd be completely along with that as well. I'll take it. But yeah. Uh, how was uh, Kenta Ishii live? Uh, again, I watched this one on VOD, knowing right. what happened, sadly, knowing that Kenta was going to get a concussion at some point. And I've got to be honest, yeah. it, made it, it made it a very tough watch for the second half of the match. I still gave it three and a half on grapple, so maybe I'm a, I'm a sadist, but I found it tough. Was it obvious in the building what was going on? It felt obvious to us. It was just that point where we thought it was the headbutt. So it was interesting listening to you and Jamesy talk about it and then go back watching it, trying to see if you can see exactly where it was. Mm. See, for us, the kind of biggest indicator was there was the headbutt and it took ages to get up. And then there was a point where he went against the rope and he was doing, um, he, he was doing um, a running kick and it felt very, very, very soft. And then there was a, uh, effectively what should have been a three count. And he was very late getting his shoulder up. And at that point, it was like, oh, he's really he's all, he's all over the place here. So, you know, why not then sit down and start lamping shit out of each other on, on the mat as well? It was very strange. And I mentioned earlier on about G.O.D. saving things like they did after the, the Aussie Open, uh, Bodum and Samuels match. Here, I was quite grateful for them being in there because mm. it felt like this is going to fall off a cliff otherwise. Um and because they were involved, it kind of managed to get them through to the end. The reaction was what they wanted, but I can't help but feel it was it was it was a disappointment. Primarily because obviously it was clear Kenner, you know, he suffered a concussion, and that was the thing that kind of and it did heavily take away from things. And it was like a, they had still had a good few minutes left in the match as well, so it was it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyable, enjoyable to be there, but still, yeah, not great. Yeah, I think for me it was like I again enjoyed the first ten minutes, got distracted by Kenta clearly not being all there, and then I don't know whether the God interference saved it or would have killed the match <laughs> if we would have had a straight match. I don't know, but it was it was a weird match and a, a tough one to rate, Joe. 
Yeah, uh, echo what JP said, basically. Really into this for the first 10 minutes or so. And then when that happened, it was just like, ah, oh, no. And then the fact that they were still sort of doing shots to the face, to the head, took me out of even more. Kent looked dodgy on his feet. He, he fell off the ropes after the yeah, end, didn't he? Yeah, his kicks didn't look right. He wasn't yeah. moving right. Ishii didn't it's care a shame. Ishii was just... Ishii kind of took it easy a little bit at first, and then they just went straight back to the headshot. That's when you want maybe someone stepping in from the outside, but it's just not a very New Japan thing to do, is it? Even in light of, you know, Shibata and, you know, all the such injuries. Yeah, and the fact there was... A, I thought it happened from the headbutt as well, and I just sort of thought, ah, oh, considering what this storyline's based around, like, mm. just imagine the like the sort of irony of a headbutt doing that to him. Like, what have we learned? Um, Nothing. It's a shame, <laughs> because I think they've got a great match in them, um, mm. and I'm sure they'll go back to this, and I'm sure they can have a better match at some point down the road. Definitely. Um, what did you make of then? I suppose we mentioned it there, God and and the and the Aussies. We've talked about the Aussies quite a bit on this show. What did you think of their their kind of their New Japan bow uh, as a match? Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought I th- you mentioned yeah. earlier, Joe, about the shindy look. I did think they look better here. This is like the with the with the new fresh gear. The I thought they've and the look is better than than it used to be, even if it's still not perfect. Oh, I still don't think it's great. No, it's not. I, we forget it, don't we? Because we see it, see them all the time, mm. and it takes like. Oh, did you listen to Voices of Rest? this week where Lanza was was no. ripping into it and but so, I think sometimes you need somebody who doesn't see them every week to kind of remind you because it was always my take on the Aussies and I'd kind of forgotten because I'm so used to seeing them all the time yeah that mm. is that is a weakness but I do think they they acclimatize themselves well they got plenty of offense they belong. yeah it was well, a good match. I think in ring like no denying that they were great in this like, they're mm. a great tag team they're two wrestlers that I thoroughly enjoy yeah, maybe the stuff of the fans I've given them lots of criticism for already, but as two in-ring wrestlers, no denying the talents there, and they're a great tag team. They're one of the best tag teams probably in the world right now, mm. and I think they well and truly have earned a possible spot in New Japan going forward after this, because this was a really fun match. It's, I'm trying to think of G.O.D. matches that I've enjoyed at this Briscoes. level. Oh, no, I didn't that, enjoy that. What, did you watch the, the ladder match? one? The ladder match was great. I, Come on, am I, am I going to watch Ring of Honor after that MSG show? <laughs> like, look, the Briscoes for me died a death like 10 years ago. Like, I are a tag team that I just think are completely irrelevant at this point. Um, actually, you know, they have had some all right matches now and then. I take that bad because I'm not going to watch that. But yeah, GOD is one of the better matches. GOD have never been so over. Oh, they were over. Um, loud. Yeah, it sounded it. This- they were well up for. And that affected them massively, didn't it? Yeah, they really worked hard. I think they, all, I think they're always going to be this over when they come over. I think there's some weird cult yeah. thing that having Bullet Club attachment, these lot kind of liked. Um, yeah, um, I'm well, really COGs, aren't they? So. I've no idea what that means. <laughs> Bullet uh, Club original. Oh Gangsters. right. Oh okay. Yeah, of course. Like Jonathan Gresham, the OG of CCK. Yeah, Glenn <laughs> Joseph quote. Funky um, monkey. But, Ah, oh, shut up. <laughs> He's my mate, come on. Love you, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, great match. Neither would be getting a point after that. Is, if this was a trial for Aussie Open, they've earned their stripes. Just need to work on that look a little bit. I just think stuff like, this is going to sound awful, Carl Fletcher's hair, really? It looks like so 2002 New Jersey indie. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's awful. He looks like a paedophile, let's all be honest. Fuck, oh, fuck me. 
that came from left field. Sorry, um, but he does. It's a terrible haircut. Okay, maybe he's too young to be a pedophile. Sort of bloke to be in the crowd of Joshy shows is what you're saying. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting. Benno. Type of type of the type of shit, yeah. The type of the type yeah. of guy who you wouldn't want to see his hard drive. That's what he looks like. Oh, that's that's absolutely. Well, the, just because of the hair, like he's <laughs> he has. I mean, his story is one that's in serious. How incredible it is where he came over the first time. I think we saw he was in a dark match at Fight Club Pro, mm. and he was like he was skinny as anything. He didn't really look like much at all. But I tell you what, he was he's. You know, he's completely thickened out. I'm hoping, and I haven't seen the VOD for this one, but he looks like he belongs in there with heavyweights. Mm. And as a result, you know, that's going to be the thing that kind of leads to what they're doing. They're making serious expansion plans into Australia. It makes sense to have Aussie Open in the same way that they're working on of building up Robbie Eagles as well. I mean, they've these are these are guys that they're wanting to to get behind they've more than earned this we were saying like a year ago that they should have been in there mm. but at this and it freshens things up and i think they played the long game as well you're telling me wwe game. haven't offered them something oh, well, during right. this time like yeah. fair play to them for sticking this out and getting this opportunity yeah. and it possibly paying off yeah, exactly there's not going to be tiers of developmental to try and work your way through instead what you get what you're getting is them in a title mix for this, and if it's if it's part of a of a thing this year, which I hope happens, where there's been a rejuvenation of the of the juniors, then this is part of the rejuvenation of of the tag title scene as well. You know, maybe get Minoru Suzuki and Zach in there as well to do to have some big tag matches. There's a there's a lot you could do with them, and I think as well, yeah, it was a real benefit having a. Gorilla's Destiny over as much as it was because I'm assuming it would have come across great with the dueling chance. Hmm. No. Yeah. It kind of. Okay. It, maybe it was my I'm stream, not but. Of dueling chance, yeah, but, uh, it worked. Yeah, I, I liked it. Here. I thought it was good. Here. It helped the match. Yeah, here as well. I thought there's really good energy again throughout the whole arena. Based based on that, partly I thought. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and again, it was surprise. It was probably should have been unsurprising how over the Aussies were, but for me, it almost felt like the GOT chance tried to drown them out a little bit. But that did shock me with how over they are. But again, uh, they they were wearing bullet. Felt pretty even and, in the building on yeah. both nights when they did the dueling chance stuff at your call as well. Interesting. Sure. Interesting. I think. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, go on. No, I didn't have them. Go on, Joe. I was going to say my second favorite match on the show. Uh, was the El Fantasma and Ishimori against Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay match. Mm. I don't know if you managed to get this one on the VOD, Benno, because I had the, it was fucking up at this point. <laughs> it but... was fucking... From what I saw, though, the, like the double teams from Osprey and Eagles, they were great. Oh, oh great. Oh. Natural tag team, like mm. immediate. Great, great gear chemistry. as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they look so good. Like Osprey is... You just can't deny the man. He's all in and everything yeah. he does. He wants to get other people over. He wants Eagles to go over. Eagles, I think, is really good as well. Yeah. And the Osprey Association is going to help him. Some great double team spots in this as well. Love that finish with a double Spanish fly. For Phantasma and Ishimori were really so good as well. They've been working on their double teams. Yeah. Just a great blend of a match. Osprey, I think, is probably above being in the junior tag division. But I'm not going to complain about seeing another match between these two, which we're getting. I mm. think I think it's this month at some point, isn't it? I think so, it's. I think it's. I don't know if it's on the main destruction card, but it's certainly up there. It's the kind of match if you have on a road to, if you headline a match with this and tell them, you know, you've oh, got 25 minutes to have this kind of a 
have the kind of match they could have. It could be fantastic. This in Corican, they'll kill it. If it oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Corican main event, this would absolutely kill it as well. Mm. well I definitely want to say as well, in that match, they, they pulled off a... I've heard it described as a double Spanish fly, as Joe will know as an old-school Ringo Honor fan. It's just a Spanish <laughs> fly. Uh, when you're on your own, it's, uh, it, maybe it's half a Spanish fly, but I love that. Th- th- throw back to the proper SATs. Uh, Osprey's on a, on, a, on a retro ROH crick, I reckon, after his uh, amazing red match. That thing needs to fucking make VOD. I'm desperate to see that. I can't believe Royal Quest has round up on New Japan well before that does. Um, but yeah. hopefully we can review that next time eh, and get into but that. But you're all, you're getting your ring of honor nostalgia in there though. It's good, you know. A bit of Maximo's love before, bit of amazing red That's it. in terms of the Super J Cup. Well, you know it. Slim J, you know, special K doing tours. <laughs> Slim J is my, my dream. JP, Slim J and Osprey. I've been trying to get that going on Twitter a couple of times. No one's biting. Uh, Go old school, <laughs> get Xavier back in. I'd take, I'd take it. Ah, stop with your <laughs> lack of Ring of Honor knowledge. <laughs> He's doing all right with his 2002-2003 knowledge. I'll give him that. Um. Christmas Street connection. <laughs> stop. <Yeah. laughs> hey, they started the first show, you know, Ring of Honor Legends. Um, mm. uh, I used to work around the corner from Christopher Street, actually. There's, there's actually... There's, I used to walk through it every day and used to think of the Christopher Street connection every day for that six-month period. I, I went to Iceland before we started this podcast and there's a Christopher Street near me and there's a gay bar on Christopher Street and I thought, do they know? Are they aware? They're probably not. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, you know what the Christopher Street... You know what Christopher Street is, don't you? Wasn't it like an area with gay bars? Is that wrong? Yeah, it's yeah. the Christopher Street riots in the 70s oh, in New York. It's like wow. a, I think it was something to do with the Stonewall stuff as well. Or the Stonewall same. riots happened on Christopher Street, mm-hmm. I think, and that's where the name comes from. So it's a, a street and a name that's sort of, you know, means a lot to the LGBT community, if anything. Yeah. As a tank team, would you think of them? Ah, oh, let's get on with it. Fucking terrible. I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> Anything else on this show or the undercard tags or just the experience in general to make me even more jealous? Joe, you went to toilet with Jay White came out. I know that. Next time they're in there, do it. I'm going to find it very hard to think of another arena that I'm going to want to be in to watch wrestling in in this country outside the copper box. Yeah. I miss most of a Jay White match because I took a piss. Yeah. <laughs> we had a wander at that stage. Yeah. Well timed. Well timed. But yeah, incredible. Looks like an incredible venue. And yeah, it looked every bit of 7,000 people there to me. Um, yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know. And then, and then, you know, Brit Res is dying, but you can still put 7,000 bums in seats at a, at a big show. So, you know, the people are still there and they will come out for a, for a big attraction. Um, but I suppose that leads into what we have to talk about next. That's the... Most important subject on the podcast. Uh, I promised people uh, on Twitter we would talk about it. It's only we're only two hours and thirty eight minutes in, lads. But let's hurry up. <laughs> I want to go to bed, and people don't want another forty five minutes on this shite. <laughs> let's get it done before. And it hours. wasn't shite. It was quite a good show. No, yeah. that's it. I wish we could just bury it in five minutes and move on. But you know what? Takeover was pretty good. I there were obvious yeah. obvious low points on the show. I don't know William Regal's smoking. The, I don't know if you're aware of this, Joe, but apparently the uh, the Tony Storm Kaylee Ray match is a, is a match that people are going to be watching in 20 years. Uh, yeah, I well, mean, the- you know what? I didn't watch it on Sunday, <laughs> and I'm not going to watch it in 20 years. So 
Yeah, it felt like I, I said on Twitter, it kind of reminds you of the uh, of that Back to the Future. Mean yeah, you, you you might not get it, but yeah, your kids will. This is a, this is this is a match for in twenty years. People are gonna look back uh, and they're, and they're gonna think, oh, two point JP two point three something. It got on grapple. Uh, well, okay. we're wrong though because in years they'll think, God, oh, do you remember that time they went all went fucking loving that Minoru Suzuki versus Okada match when really the big match, the match of the weekend was Tony Storm. And her, let's just say, odd promos versus uh, versus Kaylee Ray. Just yeah, I haven't seen this yet. Is it, I'm assuming that oh, I never. Well, never bang will. average, bang average. Like uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of. I mean, on grapple, it's actually two point six three on grapple. I gave it two and a half. Um, yeah, the I'd, I've, someone said to me, and I, I think it was Akil who said that to me, like the. You know, Regal's looking for something different than you are, but the crowd were dead for it too as well. So I just don't get it. But, you know, there was a genuine, genuine, you know, contender for match of the weekend there. I wouldn't go... I wasn't as as much raving about it as everybody else seemed to be, but I would still say it was very, very good. Tyler Bates and, uh, and Walter, I thought that thing was... Uh, well, it was really, really strong. Uh, I thought that... Mm. I thought, going in, I wasn't hyped for it. I wasn't interested. Then, Sean Ryan turned up. They put together that fantastic video, um, hyping it on the network, uh, and got. I mean, Sean Ryan's gone. I mean, if WWE assigning referees and the guys making videos, God help Brit Res going forward. Um, and Riptide should keep an eye on their uh, their cameramen and their production guys. Because fuck me, uh, yeah. If this this uh, prime target specials anything to go by, WWE are just gonna tap up anyone at this point. But that really got me into it. And then the match itself, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. I thought that. Bate was brilliant in his role as the underdog. I thought Walter was fantastic as like the hard-nosed military-style trainer in the build uh, in that prime target special, and then as the big bad in the match itself. Uh, maybe went a little bit too long for me and was very modern NXT formula in a lot of ways, but overall, really liked it. Gave it 4.25 on Grapple. I know people are, are going higher than me on that. I might even be the low man on this very podcast uh, to talk about that match, but I thought it was really strong. I thought that they put a, a great shift in, uh, and I thought it was a worthy main event, and you know, a match that shouldn't really uh, get lost in the conversation as big matches from the weekend. 4.63 on Grapple, only second to the weekend to 4.7 for Okada and Suzuki. Uh, where did you guys have it when you uh, you finally got to see it? Yeah, I went four and a half. Uh, second best match of the weekend, I thought, after Okada Suzuki. Phenomenal match. It really was. Um, I think the pace they wrestled at for this long. And I listened to the BWE episode of the weekend, and Jamesy's thoughts were basically the exact same thoughts that I've got. So if you listen to both, I might echo a few of his thoughts here. <laughs> so sorry, Jamesy. I'm not plagiarizing. I promised I'd very oh, similar I do it all thoughts. The time. The, I was going to say, the, oh, I am. The pleasure. pace was <laughs> insane. Like, I think I remember turning to JP and my brother when we watching this saying, the pace they've kept up for this long is like mental, mm. like out of control, like fitness levels of these guys. Yes. And their conditioning is just on a completely different planet. And honestly, fair play to both guys for giving so much for that long. One thing I'll uh, not disagree with Benno, but I think the NXT formula stuff. I actually think this didn't feel as rehearsed as a lot of, say, some of the more recent NXT stuff. Hmm. And I didn't think it was as convoluted and quite as gimmicky. Yeah, I think there were too many big spots. I think they overdid that. Too many and they went, Yeah, they went too far on it. And I think if you shaved seven, eight minutes and some of those big near falls off of this, 
probably would have been possibly maybe a 4.75, possibly five-star match if it was a bit more concise and if the selling was a little bit better. Because one thing I did love about it was the All Japan tribute stuff. Like, you know, I'm a massive fan of 90s All Japan. And there was so much they take from 90s All Japan. There were spots from Hanson Kabashi matches. They'd taken apron spots, basically from Misawa Kabashi big title matches. Mm. There was stuff from Kawada Misawa here as well. But there was so much that they'd been watched. They'd obviously watched in preparation for this and managed to get into the match. And I'm fine with that. I was a bit angry that Walter kicks out of a burning hammer. But that's Trent same, Seven's move, isn't it? It's Kabashi's move. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have that wrong. I think you find that a young Trent Seven developed it and Kabashi nicked it. All right, because I know you're watching TNA during that point, well. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just a phenomenal match. I think they probably a tough one because I would love the progress match, and I could you could argue it's a bit more concise. But I think the occasion, the crowd, Probably. the way they played off the crowd, the way that they kept the crowd into this for 42 minutes, modern crowd into a match this for 42 minutes, that was impressive. Like, good on both guys. Probably the match of Tyler's career, probably one of the better matches. Oh, actually, maybe the Pete Dunn match would still trump it. Mm. But one of the better matches of Walter's career. And you know what? Tyler Bate is a hell of a wrestler. And I've said this yeah. before. One of the things I hate about NXT UK is not getting to see him develop into this great wrestler. Don't get to see him enough these days. But my God, as he stormed past Pete Dunne in terms of in ability and in terms of likability as well and what he's able to deliver. Because could you see Pete Dunne delivering on this level? Think about... I know he had to face Joe Coffey on that last show, but <laughs> fucking hell, I don't think Pete Dunne can deliver anything close to what Tyler Bates delivered here. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> and that's based on the fact as well, Tyler Bates just been on the shelf this entire year. Like, uh, I put him a reviewer of a post. Like, this is a, directly stolen from uh, from Monkey Buckles again. The Tyler Bates had one singles match in the UK this year. This was the second UK singles match in 2019. That's fucking criminal, considering how good that kid is. It's wrong. It really is wrong. I and mean, I think we were talking about some alternative universe where he's come back from getting over as a as a massive face at best of the super juniors and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's just a shame that that's not that's not really what's happened because you see this and I think you just remind him of like he is fucking great. Mm-hmm. He is like a prodigy at this for mm-hmm. his age. And it's just a shame that we don't get to see him as much. And, you know, yeah, is that is that going to change? Not really. I mean, it would be lovely to see him doing this every couple of weeks, but that's not the way that they formulate TV there. So. Definitely not. Um, what else did you see on the show as far as big matches? Obviously, you haven't seen the big Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, two and a half star special. No. Uh, I assume you didn't watch Coffee and Mastiff. Oh, we watched. That. Oh, we watched that. <laughs> Look, Some I'm not going to miss out. There. I'm not going to miss out on a great comedy sketch. And. <laughs> Great comedy this was, like yeah, awful, fucking awful. One star. Wow. Um, I don't. I if if I'm going to see Dave Mastiff, made me laugh more than I thought it would do. Yeah, if I'm going to watch Dave Mastiff and Joe Coffee, I want to see him doing this tripe and tripe it was. And I'm glad that my dad 
didn't turn up at JP's house when we were watching this and walk in on this because he would have just been like, how do you like this shite? And I said, you know what, Dad? I don't like this. This is fucking awful. And I'm laughing at it. Just absolutely terrible, man. The Churchill, when he was in the crowd, separating the crowd. What the fuck? Awful. Oh, the running at each other with the chairs thing. Yeah, I was laughing about it. When they broke the ring too early, very obviously. I was like, I was laughing. Too many... Those bloody snooker cues as well. <laughs> oh, God, cricket bats. Oh, yeah, JP must have been into it. Bit of a, bit of a, you know, current reference. Cricket bats there. I reckon Regal and Finley are having a few frames and thought we'll pop down and see the lads. Put them under the, put them under the ring. We'll pop down to the snooker club afterwards and Mastiff and Coffee spoiled that, didn't they? <laughs> That's for sure. Everything Just... wrong with NXT UK coffee, isn't it? And his entire push. As is Mastiff. Coffee. Mastiff has at least been like solid. The points mm. of his career. I think he's passed it now. Coffee's a shit. Mm. Like, honestly, I was saying to JP and my brother during this, God, this is going to sound awful. Take Kaylee Ray and Viper at the equation. What good wrestler, or really good wrestler, has Scotland produced? Well, in terms of out there recently, I mean, you say Drew McIntyre would be. Okay. The yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's one. Great. But, oh, one. <laughs> I feel bad about it. created the star in Grado, to be fair to them. Like to I like Grado. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a work rate guy, no, but oh, he's, no, no, he's got his niche. He's got his niche. But other than that, like, where are the good Scott male Scottish wrestlers? I, and I'm also happy to be pointed in the direction of some, if anyone has them out there, says, oh, you know, this guy's good and there's a link to a match, then might have a look at it. But that's when not going to happen. That, it was like, yeah, Kaylee Ray and Viper. They're the they're the kind of main they're the main ones. Um, yeah, but and also I'm going to go from this to the um, to the tag match. Look, no, can I just make one last Sorry, point? I honestly think this the article that I read about mm, ten years ago. Pretty sure it was a Guardian article about um, how the rise in sales of a deep fried Mars bar oh, no. correlates with the fall in Scottish football talent could possibly be true and while a lot of these wrestlers came through at the same time mm, yeah I think they were maybe having a few too many of them as well while the football players were eating them so uh, I thought it was bad enough of a review slagging off Scotland Stephen Louch d- deliver your hate mail directly to Joe me and, uh, me yeah. and JP that were here but yeah, this, he won't this, be able to because I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> shit, we'll get it, JP. Like I, I expected to we get will. it anyway because I had a little bit of a go <laughs> review of like, what is it with all this Scottish talent they're pushing? Like, are they are they running a pay per view in Scotland soon? Like, why are Gallus all over the show? Why is Noam Dar a thing? Why is he going over Travis Banks? He is fucking shit. He's terrible. He, is he was terrible rubbish. on the Indies. He's never been. What he's is he? Never been good. He's an Oasis he's never pose. Been good. He's a Liam Gallagher pose. That's all he's got. He's fucking crap. Died yeah. on 205 Ooh. Live. Died to death on 205 Live. He threw him here. He's better in front of smaller crowds. That's the nicest thing I can say about him. Because uh, mm. in, in, in a just world, I know Travis... They fucked Travis Banks in progress. They fucked him again in NXT UK. I don't think... I'm, I hope there's some coming back, but I worry. Uh, but it's such a foregone conclusion that he's lo- losing to Noam Dar on the opener to this show. Uh, yeah, he's an irrelevance he at this point. It's Travis sad. Banks. I think two years ago, I was talking about him on this podcast. Now, great was, yeah. I think we should just stop talking about the match now because it sucked. <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. Did you watch the two, what I thought were very good matches from the other cards, Cesaro Dragonov and the uh, the tag three way? I 
we saw the tag three where our main point Which was, was very good. It was very good. How old were Andrew and Webster? Ridiculous. Oh yeah, it was great, and that crowd were amazing for it as well. And they mm. really kind of lifted it up. Brilliant. And also, it was the moments that Gallus weren't involved in the match. <laughs> Anytime they were, they were out, everything picked up. Like where I reckon they should have got Kings of the North in for this. So you can have a yeah. proper UK match. Like <laughs> each country represented. Yes. Uh, this oh. could be their gang wars. This is their DOA on the oh, <laughs> get in, yeah. Kings of the North. I know. Well, let's let's. I'll be quiet on what they could have done because <laughs> I may have offended the Scottish listeners already. But <laughs> fuck it out. Yeah. I, I've Great got to say as well. This was a nice moment, and I, uh, you know, I'll be going about moments yeah. and WWE's focus on it, but this did work as a moment. And oh, yeah. I, as much as I look at NXT UK and hate what it is, I think this will be the moment of Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews' careers, to be honest. I can't see it getting better than this for either of them at any point. And you know what? They've got that to look back on in years' time, so yeah. fair enough. Mm, yeah very good match they were great they were stars because of the yeah. crowd gibson and jake were brilliant as the heels and gallus were, were also there that's the match they were yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you didn't see uh Ilya and cesaro then um, we did we did see it um thought from what i can really remember god there's a lot of wrestling we watched by that stage it was very good but mm. i'd seen people going completely berserk over and it was yeah like, that was silly that, yeah yeah it was very good it was it was better than the equivalent match, which was Devlin uh, and Bala. I felt like they did a much better job getting mm-hmm. Ilya over. Uh, I think he'll be he'll be fine with the loss. I wouldn't do too many of these, but I think overall, you know, he he got to look good against Cesaro, got his offense in. He's still fucking weird, but all in all, uh, I think it was a, a good night for him to get this spot ahead of uh, some of the other people they could have chosen. Yeah, yeah, they could have done. I mean, it, it's 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 still a strange fit, though, isn't it? on mm. the show necessarily and, and where it is are they going to do an NXT UK run with Cesaro probably probably not oh, he's back so on if they're not doing it then well that's it yeah like kind of really I don't know really what he necessarily adds the only one of these I'm interested in seeing is Nigel McGuinness coming out of retirement and getting one last match with Daniel Bryan <laughs> you be there front row with me Joe no, because oh. it's NXT UK, and I refuse to go. Regardless of what they're going to put on, I'm not going. Oh, sad. But no, I, I can understand that. Because, yeah, as much I enjoyed the show, I thought it was a good show. My closing question was going to be, are you going to watch any more NXT UK going forward? But I think I know the answer, because I know the answer to myself. Uh, it's a big fat no. No. Next takeover, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. And that'll be when I check in with it again. But until then... Nah, it's, it's an irrelevance. We mentioned many earlier on, I think the only person who could possibly get me interested in having a look at it is if they're Sean Ryan, mm. really, at this stage. That prime target was excellent. If, I did watch it. If he's, making, if he's making more videos like that, then yeah, that's mm. it. But if we're ending up with, you know, much more of the sort of Johnny Saints, Sid Scala, double act shite, then I want nothing to do with this. It's quite Fair. Brexit, that double act, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Damn lads. <laughs> Oh. How did you vote, Dad? Oh, I voted to go out there, you son. Oh, I'll vote with you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else on NXT UK or, or anything else, or are we uh, are we all talked out? I think we're. I need to get to bed. I'm, I'm falling asleep. Now. Sorry. The adrenaline's wearing off. It's close to 1 a.m. I've got to be up in seven hours, maybe less. 
I've got to drive home. <laughs> Let us go, Benno. Please. <laughs> hey, I've got to get to editing it. I've got a late night ahead of me, guys. Oh, Sorry, no. mate. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it's all good. Um, anything that we want to plug, anything we want to say before we go? I suppose we should mention JP again, the uh, the Grapple update. Download it on... Uh, yep. Oh, sorry, if you're an Android user, head to the Google Play Store and and download the update and uh, and see what you think. It should be running a lot smoother. And if you haven't already got it, uh, as an Apple user, obviously get it from the Apple Store as well. Uh, anything else, JP? Um, that's pretty much it for what I can think of. Although my brain is officially dead after the amount of shows trying to fit in this weekend. So anything I forget, I'm sure we can do a sweep up next week. Fair enough. And there's still an Xbox for sale, so come at me. <laughs> and a stripper story from JP to uh, to kick off next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make people pay for that. Stories. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll do that on the next uh, the next graps and claps we appear on but yeah follow JP on Twitter at JPGP follow the the grapple app at grapple app and follow me at Benson Richardy we'll be back next week hopefully back on a Monday again we'll probably I assume talk the uh, well not the progress show but we'll we can talk is there anything what's coming out GCW we'll got the show this weekend we'll, we'll figure it out Either way, we'll talk. We'll talk about the international break in football and maybe a bit of a catch-up on fantasy league teams. There you go. And we'll catch up on Brexit as well. So that'll be us next Monday. See you then. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Right. Why am I saying bye? Yeah, why are you saying bye? I'm so fucking tired. (laughs) We are the nation of domination. I'm a lineman in color Don't diss the man Over bum rush your mother now Listen what I'm saying It's for real, not playing Farouk is the man Hit your knees and start praying Nation, a Got power like the bear But quick like the cat Put two and two together Fill your face on the mat You count the stars while the ref counts three Hope you like the look at sailors Cause that's all you're gonna see